0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 54 of Connectivity, I'm Scott Thompson. This week we've got two segments and one bonus segment for you, and kicking things off, Josh sits down with Andy and Alex to talk about Pokemon Black and White 2. After that, myself, Neil, and Patrick talk about all the uh, recent 3DS news, as well as games we've been playing, such as Resident Evil 6, Miss of Pandaria, and Hell Yeah. After the outro, uh, there's another Doctor Who bonus segment where we talk about the mid-season finale, and I will warn you now, there are spoilers, I mean, like, within the first ten seconds. So, if you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen. Okay, enjoy.
1: Hello there, this is Josh Max, and with me today is Alex Kalafi. Hello there. And Andy Gergen. What's going on, guys? And you two guys got your hands on Pokemon Black... 2 and Pokemon White 2 this week before uh it came out, so I think what I have to do, as a, you know, self-proclaimed Poke-fanatic, I gotta ask you guys about it. First of all, Alex, favorite Pokemon, go. Slay King, and here's why.
2: It is, without a doubt, minus Regigigas who doesn't count, the strongest Pokemon out there. And if you can get a combo going with Cofegarius, he's totally unstoppable in the competitive game, right, Andy? Uh,
1: yeah. Andy's favorite Pokemon. Captain Olimar? <laughs> That's I was oh. accepting that or Agumon. So
3: you said Pokemon, not Pikmin. Sorry, I got confused. Um, I would say Jigglypuff only because the sound he makes when he dies in Smash Brothers is unbeatable.
1: Uh, I don't know. I like the the Pikachu Pika thing when it dies. Uh, <laughs> it's also it's, pretty spectacular, right?
3: I think it's because Jigglypuff has so many syllables. So when he like screams his own name, flying off the screen, it's uh, it's it's
1: pleasantly awkward. It's
3: prolonged. It's prolonged.
1: <laughs> All right. So uh, now on to the meat and potatoes of the of this chat. We're gonna have I so first andy uh, i want to know you this is your first pokemon game since i think the original generation right uh
3: this is my first pokemon game more or less period i did drop about 3 to 4 hours into pearl um and i put it back down something like i think maybe i got one gym badge i don't really remember getting a gym badge but i probably did because i got to a section in like the second area where you had to go underground and go mining and I got done with it, so <laughs> I put it into the pile of games that don't get played anymore. Um, so this is my first attempt at trying to actually like power through and and play more of the game and try and genuinely try to understand what it is that makes this series such a phenomenon. And and how far did you? How many hours did you put into the, to this? I'm sitting at like six and a half right now, I think. So I'm not like super far into the game. I've haven't had a chance to play it since the weekend, so I'm sitting at like a four-day gap right now, which is way longer than I would like. I kind of got to a spot where I don't know where, what to do, um, so I am resorting to reading FAQs, which are available because the game's been available out in Japan for months. So luckily there are FAQs, and I think I should be able to break through that barrier. Because I actually got through to where I'm at fairly quickly, and I've been wandering around for about an hour. So it's about time I moved on. I would but have you, been, have
1: you been enjoying it?
3: Yeah, I have been enjoying it. Um there are things about it that are a bit awkward, I think. Um mainly that it it's an RPG with essentially at this point no story. Um and that I'm sure that changes later on, but it just feels like the only story in this game six hours in is holy crap, have you seen Pokemon? These things are amazing. Uh but that's well, fine. I mean
1: On on that note, Alex uh You, I, I, you know, I've read your review. I'm sure people listening to this have read your review. Uh You actually, you kind of talked about how you were, the story wasn't exactly a highlight of the game. And as I also, I also now know that you're also a Pokemon fanatic. Um, So tell me, what about, what was your experience with the game? Since you've played all of them and now you played, you know, the first direct sequel. Okay, so Andy's about
2: maybe... Tenish days since he's gotten the game, and he's two badges in. So, which is fine based on his experience and all that. Now, because of my pokey fanaticism, I got the game on Monday last week, and I beat it on Wednesday with twenty-five hours logged.
3: I uh, I had that kind of experience with uh, Skyward Sword, for what it's worth.
2: Oh well, God, that's yeah, yeah. It's nice to have those games, but no, yeah, I totally agree. With that said, if you read my review, I was a little bit down on the game in some respects, because I actually really liked the story in black and white. I thought it was the best story that a Pokemon game's ever had, by far.
1: And I was interested in seeing how they picked it up. And Whoa, 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 hold on. Are you saying that capturing a legendary Pokemon and creating your own galaxy isn't a great storyline? Because, I don't know, I would kind of like my own galaxy. Especially after I catch God. Here's
2: why the story in black and white is better, though this is probably a tangent of some sorts. In previous Pokemon games, and actually in this Pokemon game, there is almost no story for the first four to five badges, and then it slops all of it on at once. Where, in the original black and white, it actually sort of gave you an even progression throughout which is what I really like. And everything was coherent and everything actually had several layers to it instead of I'm catching Pokémon, this Pokémon is the new powerful one, this is the new bad guy and that's it. So
3: I will say that I will say that uh, so far in my experience
2: with with uh, version 2, is it called version 2 in North America? I don't think it's so. Technically it's technically called it go- version 2, but we just call it Black 2 and White 2.
1: Or if you're lazy like me, you say Black and White 2.
3: Right. <laughs> what i found so far is that it seems and maybe this is just my knowledge uh coming through a little bit because i'm 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 very much aware of the legacy of the series but it very much seems like this is a a, a layered effort like it feels like there is a very solid core game underneath but every 20 to 30 minutes uh, my character is like introduced to a new thing, which is probably a new thing from like fire red that they 're just giving to me now, but it just seems like here 's here 's a new thing, and maybe it 's a new thing to this game, maybe it 's not i don't know, but it just it feels like this is the longest tutorial i 've ever played um because there 's always they 're just continually throwing new things at you, and at this point, like between all the h m s and and tms and items and different types of medicine and i saw at the shop in the pokemon center that there's like envelopes i can buy and i have no idea what that does probably something with the online component of the game which i haven't even gotten to yet um it just seems like there's so much to do in this game that i haven't had a chance to really absorb it all like i I know there's a lot of complexity in the way Pokémon fight each other with the different types and I haven't really found enough Pokémon to take advantage of that yet like I'm still just hitting with the hardest attack I've got right now with the highest level Pokémon I've got is it um, tackle
1: uh, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah I think so um, although I have also got I've got tail whip I think or something like that or yeah leaf whip or something like that effect. yeah some kind of whip um and I've been kind of fighting, and Alex and I were actually talking in an email about this, about whether or not I want to try to like level up multiple Pokemon at the same time or just focus on one for now until I know that I need more later. So I've been kind of balancing that back and forth. I'm kind of going back towards trying to multiple or level up more than one now that I've gotten one evolved. Oh, Also, I know that there's like benefits and drawbacks to evolving or not evolving when you're presented with the option. So there's just so much Stuff here, and i I like it, but it's it is really overwhelming to someone who's just playing for the first time. That said, they do talk a lot they they tell you what's going on, it's not like I can't read what's going on it's just they just throw a lot of information at you, and it, they don't give you really a lot of time to absorb the information and on top of that it's it's at the expense of the story because, like Alex said, like I'm two badges in, and um you don't get really a lot of the story until later on in the game and so it just seems kind of pieced together. And, and I expect the pieces will converge later, and that'll probably be evident in the review that I end up writing. But uh, so far, it does seem like a lot of things thrown together without a lot of cohesion. Um, I just got past the part um, where you become a movie star, I guess. Uh, there's a part of the game where um, you're, you you go into a movie studio, and it's it's kind of like a puzzle game. Like Basically, you're given a predetermined Pokémon, and you have to win the battle in a specific way to match the script so that you get a lot of um, box office gross. And it just seems so odd. Like it doesn't fit into anything that I've done until now. It's just sort of this weird little thing that I've stumbled across. Kind of like maybe like the fishing pond in a Zelda game where you don't do anything like that until you get there. And it doesn't seem to have any real bearing on anything else in the game. It's just sort of this, this fun little diversion. But it seems like it's a big part of the game and I can't, Obviously, I don't know how big of a part of the game it is because I haven't gotten that far past it yet, but um, it's
1: it's well, so weird. Well, well, here's the thing, though. I've only seen, like, two screenshots of this. I've been trying really hard to be spoiler-free for this game, and even though I've read about, you know, that part of the game, what you just said got me so excited, I started to move around a little.
3: Oh, I don't get me wrong. I, I, think, I think if you understand Pokemon battling a lot more than I do, it's probably a lot of fun. If you have, like, a good handle on, like, the way Pokemon fight each other, then I don't really yet. But if you did, I, I think this would be a blast.
1: <laughs> well, see, because, cause, you know, every game they usually have, like, a beauty contest or the pageant or or the, the acting portion. And as much as I love dressing up a Snivy with a little mustache and a top hat and a cane, like in that awkward zombie comic... I I am just so excited to fight a mechanical tyranitar in a movie and make <laughs> money like for some reason that just totally blows my mind and I'm really excited about it. But
3: I think you'll enjoy it cuz I think this it's it's a part of the game that seems very specifically engineered to people who have been playing the game for a while. Cuz if you don't awesome. if you don't have a good handle on the way po- the, the intricacies of pokemon fighting then it's it's hard to know how to get the The battle to unfold the way you want it to. Like for instance, um, and I'll try to try not to get too into details, but there's one that says you have to um, specifically kill one of the opponent's Pokemon, and it's not the one he starts off with. And I didn't realize that one of my attacks made him switch Pokemon until like the third time I tried it. I just knew that one of them was not a battle move, so I didn't try it because I figured I only have like a few tries, a few rounds. To, to kill this guy, so I can't waste around with, like, lowering his defense or something. Um, so I kept trying to tackle him over and over again, and I was getting nowhere, and then finally it dawned on me that the other move made him swap, switch guys. And I was like, oh, well, shit. I bet if I had ever played a Pokemon game before, I'd probably know that.
2: Okay, so, there's a few things we gotta mention here. So, as someone who's been around since every single main series game, and just beat this game, I think the big issue here is that you've, you're have you probably playing the single hardest to get into Pokemon game for someone who's never played a Pokemon game before, because there has never been a sequel before that's, like, very direct in this sense, and as the game gets on, what I noticed is it was very un-Nintendo and Pokemon-like that they make no concessions to, like, sort of make it accessible for someone who's never played. They just assume you've played black and white before, so they don't spend very much time at all to uh,
1: to explain things, which is why... Well, I mean, but you, you can't really fault them on that. I mean, it is it literally I'm not, the, but the second, it's the, it's the sequel to a game. So, I mean, it's like, you know, how, how sometimes Legend of Zelda will assume, oh, heart equals life. You know, yeah, this I mean, fairies equal healing because that's Legend of Zelda. You know Zelda I, yeah. is going to get kidnapped and you must save her.
3: Like I'm not, uh, I'm not holding any of these things against the game. Like I'm, I'm aware of that. Like it, it doesn't bother me that much because I'm the one coming into the series at like the twentieth game or whatever that they've released. Like the series has been around for a long time. They, I don't expect them to give me a Tetris tutorial whenever I pick up a Tetris game. So, I mean, I, yeah, I. I, I I'm with you on that it, it's it does feel like a Pokemon game designed for people who have been playing Pokemon for a long time and that's perfectly fine it is a sequel it doesn't it doesn't bother me it, but it, yeah you're right it, it it is making my entrance into the series with this game a little harder than it probably could have been but I think part of that is because I'm still trying to play this game like I play other RPGs which is kind of i, I don't I don't tend to mess around with finesse when I play RPGs which is probably the reason I don't play a lot of RPGs because I'm not that good at them for the most part I tend to stick with What's powerful and 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 bludgeon my way through whatever fight that I'm in, and yeah. you can't you can't do that with this game because you'll find out very quickly that your Pokemon that has the bludgeoning skills is weak to just about everything that your opponents will throw at him except for other bludgeoners maybe I don't know um so it's it's taking a lot of adjustment for me to like adapt to the different thought process that goes into battling in a, in a, in a pokemon game um I will right. say. That the one of the things in the story that really jumped out at me um, is the way that everyone in the world seems to adore Pokemon, but yet this is a game about dog fighting, basically. Like it's so weird that they say things like battling with your Pokemon helps strengthen the bond between Pokemon and humans. It's like what? That doesn't seem right at all. <laughs> like that's so that's such a weird concept to me. But I don't know, it
1: just kind of made me laugh a little bit. I mean, that's, that is the joke that goes along with Pokemon. And I mean, eventually it just gets to a point where you're like, no, it's, it's so much more than that. Why is it so much more than that? Because we love each other. <laughs> He'll never give up. He'll never give up. He was my first starter Pokemon. I'll never put him in my PC.
3: I love you um, so much, Snivy or Snivy. Now go fight him to the death if you don't mind. I'm sorry. To yeah, to exactly. The, to the faint. To the faint.
1: <laughs> um, but okay, so, uh, you know, Alex, let's start with you because you know Andy's been you know telling us about his experience. But uh, Alex, uh tell me what is you know the the number one best part of the Pokemon Black and White two, and what is also the 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 thing you hate the most about it. And I really I'm interested because you are a Poke fanatic, and I would honestly love aside from the story, like um, so what is the thing that makes this game so much better than the others, and also makes it so much worse than all the others. So,
2: I'll start with the second one. Okay. Well, actually, I'll sort of answer both at the same time. Even better. So, the story, as I've sort of alluded to before, and I directly state in the review, it takes a long time for it to get going. It takes, like, it's sort of drip-fed to you for the first half of the game, and then it goes full assault after, like, the sixth badge. Which, it's... It's sort of a bummer compared to all the things that were great about Black and White. And everything that you uh, sort of wanted to happen with the story, like the, uh, the insane return of Getsis and where N's been this whole time, it's not really addressed as far as you'd like and nothing really develops. It just sort of, this is their token appearance. This is the story wrapping up in the span of a few hours. Here's your legendary Pokemon and so forth now what's great about it is that unlike the third version iterations in the past yellow platinum uh emerald all those this has a lot more extra stuff in it than those games like the first 10 percent of the game is something you've never played before and the last 10 percent is something you've never played before and in between, like, they set you across Unova in a different way than you did in black and white. They, uh, there's a lot of new locations sort of spread about, like, in, uh, in Castellia City, now there's a sewer you get to go through that's kinda cool. And, uh, in that desert route, Route 4, where everything was under construction, now it's actually built and you can see what's going on. And, uh, actually, as Andy alluded to, there are some new features, like there's the Pokestar Studios, which I didn't like so much, because I don't really like those minigames that don't have much to do with the battling, but whatever, if you're into it, that's fine.
1: <laughs> whatever you're into, baby.
2: <laughs> and then, uh, there's Pokémon World Tournament, which I won't spoil too much about, but as I'm sure you and most other Poké fanatics know, it basically allows you to fight every gym leader and champion from the past if you uh if you unlock the tournament to that level that that is amazing it's pretty great uh it's exactly as good as you think it is it's a great replacement for battle frontier even though uh like the subway is still there and uh the only the only like sort of bummer to me as a pokemon fan is that everything so everyone sort of looks the same as they did in the original games even though black and white is like 10 years in the
1: future Hey Misty is forever like 20. <laughs> she's she's forever like 12. Hey, hey, hey <laughs> in the games, in the games she aged.
3: So I have a question for you guys. Uh when when you capture a Pokémon, do you give
1: them nicknames? Uh usually when I'm doing Nuzlocke.
3: No, I'm just asking if you oh. do because it's it's weird for me because if I give it a nickname, I'm never going to learn the names of the
1: Pokémon. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, but after a time, like, personally, like, once I know, once, like, my first time playing through, generally not, unless it's, you know, something I've been trying to catch, because I know its name, like, I'll always nickname my Abras, or, like, I, my my Slackings.
3: I found one that I lo- I liked the look of, it was sort of a tigery thing, although I forget the name of the Pokemon, because I gave it a nickname, I, I called him Pups, <laughs> uh, and so I was like, this is a guy that I'm going to level up, because so I, I like the look of him, and my guess is he probably does some cool stuff. Is it Lilipup? Um, yeah, that might be right. It's a, it's a little tiger looking thing. Was it Growlithe?
1: Um, Was it Fire? Oh, it's
3: yeah, it's Growlithe then probably. Yeah, Growlithe, that sounds right. Um, but I gave him a nickname, so I immediately forgot the name of the Pokémon and aside from going into the menu to look at him, like I'm I just completely forgot it immediately. So, it's I, I almost feel like I, I don't I don't want to give anybody a nickname not until I'm I've played the game enough that I recognize a whole shit ton of different Pokémon. Um, like, only one who's, I I recognize at sight, there's only, like, like, maybe four or five that I immediately know what they're called when I see them, and those are the ones that you fight over and over again in the first, like, two hours of the game.
2: Um. Okay, so, for me, I'm a little different, where I don't like nicknaming my Pokemon at all. Like, even, like, Red and Blue, which I must have played a dozen times by now, I really just like sticking to the names of Pokemon. Though, I guess my reason for doing so would be about as good as anyone's reason for why they nickname all of their Pokemon. It's just how you decide to
1: play it, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the... I don't know. I mean, like, I, I... Unless I'm I'm really fifty-fifty. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I mean, when I'm playing them the first time through, like when I first played Black and White, like I I had to do that. Or else I was like Scraggy, Scrat, Scraggy, Scrafty, Scrafty. There we go, Scrafty. Because I I I named him like Little K or something. Like I was just because I just do that, you know. Um, but I mean, but when I'm replaying it or I'm doing a Nuzlocke run, you know, yeah, you, you have to nickname him because then it's like you know. They're your friends. You know, you give them nicknames. Because, you know, you can. And they can't say no. Yeah. Alright, so, final thoughts in the game. Alex?
2: It's Pokemon, and anyone who cared to listen to this and is a Pokemon fan will love it. And will probably love it despite any
1: fault I said it has. With that said, it's not as good as Black and White. Um. So, basically, what you're saying is this is like The Avengers or Dark Knight. If you're a fan of it, or Dark Knight Rises, sorry, Dark Knight was a great movie no matter what. Right. But say, so it's like kind of like Avengers or Dark Knight Rises. You know, there are tons of flaws in both of them. And, you know, if you're not a fan, they're not really great movies. But if you are, then, then, you know, they're amazing, which is why I love them. Exactly. Like, as I said in my abstract, it's as great as it has ever
2: been, but it's not much better. All right. Andy,
4: Uh
3: was Black and White considered to be sort of the best Pokemon game when it came out?
1: I mean, yes and no. I mean, everyone has okay. their favorite. Well, yeah, no, okay. I mean just saying universally reviewed. I think Soul Silver and Heart Gold still have like they're all near. They're the closest to perfect, like reviewed Pokemon games. Ew. Everything else.
5: Oh, don't <laughs> ew it.
1: Soul Silver is the best game ever. Soul Silver is the best game ever. No heart and no soul. It's just a straight remake and there's no emotional... Oh, go go back to the third generation.
2: I will, Joshua. I will.
1: Andy?
3: There was one thing that happened towards the very beginning of the game that sort of drives home the point that I was making earlier about how this definitely feels like an iteration upon an iteration upon an iteration, layer after layer of refinement over a very simple core premise. Um, When I first started playing and I got control over my character for the very first time, I walked around and thought, oh my god, this is so ridiculously slow. I can't fathom playing an RPG where I walk this slowly. I'm going to throw my 3DS. But then, before I got out of the first city, I was given an item that allowed me to run, which I expected to happen at some point because I think that happened in in Pearl as well. But you can't, Possibly have gotten that item so soon in the game in previous Pokemon games, at least not all of them and that 's kind of what I mean when I say why did I have to even ever walk around slowly in the first place well, because that 's the way it was done before, and then you get an item to make you go faster it just it feels like an unnecessary um step why can't they just make you walk at a decent speed instead of giving you an item and you know maybe there's a part in the game where you have the potential to lose that item later and that's why you, that's why it's an item instead of just not fixed in the design in the first place No, nope. but that's that's kind of what it feels like it feels like well in past Pokemon games you walk slow for a while and then after a while you found an item to walk fast and so that's the way this one works too it just so happens that they give it to you so early that it doesn't really ever matter that it's an item And that's, that sort of just illustrates my feelings about this game in in general. There's, even having never played previous Pokemon games, there's so many things about this that scream, yeah, this is a layer upon a layer upon a layer of refinement. But, it doesn't bother me. I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how my enjoyment of it changes once I get a better handle on the way the Pokemon are supposed to fight each other and the weaknesses and the strengths and how to use the various bonus items, which I'm still sort of a little bit fuzzy about. But I really think that, um, I really have an appreciation for the complexity of the Pokemon battling. I I saw a website that had a grid of the different types and how they fought against each other and I thought, oh my god, there's a lot to this that I'd, I'd not even begun to sink my teeth into. And that's like, you know, six, seven hours into the game and I really haven't even had a chance to get into that yet, and I, I would assume what's going to happen is at some point I'm going to come across a battle I can't win until I figure this out, so
2: we'll see what happens when I get there. <laughs> well, Andy, I would just be interested, one one last sort of thing, I would be sort of interested if after this is all tucked away, you've done your review, and you don't have the obligation to play Pokemon Black and White 2 ever again, I would be interested to see what your thoughts on the original Black and White are as in a totally fresh story it's probably the best game for newcomers since the original games it's okay. very easy i think if you like this but you th- but you're a little confused black and white might be the perfect game for you right on i Agreed. might have to give
1: that a shot um all right then gentlemen thank you very much for coming and talking to me and and feeding my fanboy my inner fanboy some you know much needed pre-release Goodies. Um, have yeah, three days left, Josh. Three days. I am. You have no idea how excited I am for Sunday. You have no idea. <laughs> you are correct. I've, I do Reordered it. <laughs> I put the money down. I just need to physically pick it up. Ah, I'm char. I'm leaving my my 3ds charged until then. You're just so I know I can play it.
2: You're not gonna play it on like a DSi, the, the proper
1: way. I only have a 3ds now, on me.
3: I sold my DSI the second I could because I don't have enough money to ma- hold on to the things
1: I don't need anymore.
3: <laughs> All right. It is
1: neither here nor there. Gentlemen, yes. thank you again for coming out and talking. You're welcome. Uh, and and uh, to everyone else, we'll see you online. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.
6: additional segment, newscast-like segment on connectivity. I'm your host, Neil Rodahan, and with me for this news slash what you've been playing is Patrick Barnett and Scott Thompson. Hello.
7: Hello, everyone. Yeah.
6: Um. So we were originally planning to just do a what you've been playing segment. However, Nintendo is just fucked in the head right now. (laughs) Really, there's no other way to say it. Uh, We were doing the math. By the time you guys hear this, there will have been... Six Nintendo directs within a span of like eight days. Um, four in Japan, one in North America, and one in Europe. Um, so that's that's crazy pants. And I think the earliest we found out about any of them was we found out about the Animal Crossing one that's forthcoming about three days before. Um, two of the Japan ones we found out literally when they were live. Um, it's it's really messed up at this point. But there was there was a lot of news.
0: Well, yeah, basically um, Nintendo decided to release, like, a month's worth of news and within a yeah. week.
6: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny because I, I've been talking with our uh, our Nintendo of America rep and just, like, about everything that's going on, and I think, like, she's getting married soon? <laughs> so I can only imagine what hell there, there must, <laughs> they must be going through because um, there's a lot of stuff, and there's, like, like, you know, that big elephant in the room of Wii U that they have to prepare for as well. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, tough for us, tough for them, too uh pat pat uh the pr rep that you don't have to talk to on the back because they do a tough job um anyway let's go right to the news um when we get to what you've been playing we will talk about new Super but there's two dlc then because that's kind of i guess the more marquee news that came out of all this um and i, I downloaded and played it so i'll talk about that later but now let's go to the other cool eShop stuff. First and foremost, there's going to be a sequel to Pushmo, guys. Woo! Fucking awesome is that. It's the best day ever. <laughs> yeah, it's called Crashmo in North America, or Fall Blocks in Europe. And uh, we had some back and forth between our North American and European contingent. Um, I believe some of the North Americans called... Fall Blocks, Fail Blocks. <laughs> and then one of the members of the European group was just like, Mo's, not even a word. Um, so there's that.
0: But uh, <laughs> I think
6: they're just both dumb names, but I can't wait for this game.
0: What was it originally called in uh, Europe? What was uh, Push Mobile? It was uh, Pull Blocks. Pull blocks yeah. Okay, well.
6: So they're both going along the same thing. I mean, the whole mechanic in this, I mean, there's you know more training levels, more new levels, just new content. But... Gravity is being added to the puzzle blocks, so basically, like they don't stay in place; they'll fall as you play, which you know makes it makes it slightly different. I guess it makes things crash and or fall.
0: <laughs> so basically, while well, it took 20 years for uh, Mario to start messing with gravity in interesting ways, uh Pushmo's done it now in like a two-year span. Yeah, so year and a half, not even. Uh, yeah, I
6: assume it's developed by Intelligent Systems. Um but I don't know if that's one hundred percent confirmed. It would be kinda of ridiculous if it wasn't. Um yeah. But I know Patrick, you love the crap at a push mouse, so how how excited are you on a scale of, of nine to fifteen? I didn't <laughs> find out about
7: that. <laughs> Probably sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I, I didn't hear about it right away and then when it was like an hour later and I, I found out about this, I was just like, What, what, what?
4: <laughs> yeah. And it
6: it was it was kinda of shocking.
7: Yeah. Uh, it's. I don't expect that a sequel to an eShop game would be coming so soon. I mean, it is happening with well, the Denpa Men,
6: but it kind of makes sense because they're not really long development cycles, and I think that's part of the why people should be making great eShop games because it, they're on a smaller scale. I mean, you think with Denpa Men, um, I mean you're two years into development on that game, and you've already come out with two. And Mutant Muds is going to be the same way. Yeah. Uh, it's just how I, many I know...
7: sequels to eShop games have been released so far. Just the Denpa Men. Yeah. So we're kind of in that era where we're going to start seeing sequels to these games that we loved last year.
6: Yeah, which is great. I mean, as long as 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 long as we see sequels to good games, which that's what's happening, it just seems to be on a much quicker development schedule than the bigger games. And I think that is that is the glory of downloadable games. But yeah, it's coming out November 22nd, so like four days after Wii U. Yeah, that, that's um, probably
0: the only downside. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
6: this will be the kind of game that I'll play whenever I get it. Um, I'll probably end up getting it when it comes out, but it might be the kind of thing where I I get it and not actually play it until like Christmas.
0: Yeah, it'll sit wrapped in that nice little packaging on your three uh, Ds <laughs> yeah. home screen.
6: It'll be I'll I'll open it Christmas morning. I'll be like, oh, oh thanks, me. <laughs> I, I don't think you'll be able to last that long. <laughs> yeah, I probably won't. I, I'll, I'll have to poop sometime. And that'll be the perfect game to play while pooping. You'll make it maybe a day,
7: yeah. and then, then you'll
6: cave. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm very, very excited for this game. I think we all are, and I think if you haven't played Pushmo, what the hell are you doing? I think it's on sale in Europe, so so get it if you haven't. And it, even even if you didn't, I think it's, what, 7 bucks. Totally it's, worth it's it. It's not overly priced. Yeah,
7: for the amount of content that's in that game,
6: I I didn't even finish the first one. I, might, I mean, now I might go back actually. I, I didn't finish first... it
7: either. I, yeah, there's a lot like, of content right of that. at the end. It just gets it's, obscenely hard. It gets very hard.
0: Yes.
6: <laughs> but yeah, um, the other thing that we found out, and this is uh, we've already kind of talked about this game before, but Fluidity Spin Cycle got a release date of December 27th. So that'll be right. At, that'll be what I'll. Well, I'll get post-Christmas for myself, and then I'll see that uh, that wrapped eShop game on my 3DS, and just be like, "Oh man, me, you shouldn't have." <laughs> and that game's also coming out to Europe in December under its its European name, Hydroventure Spin Cycle.
0: I think I like Hydroventure better than Fluidity.
6: I, I, it's it's once again, it's kind of like Crash Mo Fall Blocks, but I don't really give a shit. The game's <laughs> awesome.
0: I'm just saying, I think Europe's got that one on us. Crash mode yeah. better than fall blocks. But they've got us on fluidity.
6: Now, what we do have them on is the fact that they don't have any confirmation of Tokyo crash mobs coming out in <laughs> Europe. Uh, this is going to be an early 2013 eShop release in North America. And this is that weird pedestrian throwing game that came out in Japan over the summer on the eShop. It's by Mitchell Corporation. They made Puzzle Loop and Magnetica. Which, if if those names seem unfamiliar with you, I'll just say it by the name that you know it as, because PopCap ripped them off. Um, Zuma, but instead of being a frog shooting balls, it's you're like some female businesswoman who's throwing people. (laughs) Makes sense. Into groups of other people. Uh, There's actually some kind of plot to this game where it's like these two these two people are you know trying to like, get to work or something. I don't know. It looks ridiculous. I'm very excited for this game, because I, I love games like Magnetka and Zuma, and the the aesthetic and style of this is awesome.
7: I remember when they first showed this game off during a Nintendo Direct probably five or six months ago. Yeah, I think it was...
6: June? April? April maybe.
7: maybe? It was either April or June, but the initial like reaction July. from everyone was that this is never gonna get localized. Yeah, and <laughs> it is.
6: I mean, that's, once again, the glory of eShop is I think we have a lot more likelihood of things getting localized because it's a lot smaller risk. Yeah. It's quite cheap this, too. <laughs> at, at this point, I mean, I guess, I mean, North America still hasn't gotten pic- pic- yeah, Picross E but I don't think there's any major, like, Nintendo-made eShop game that isn't slated to come to North America and Europe. I don't think so. I there might, think there might be something sort of recent. Oh, oh uh, Harmonite. We still haven't heard anything on Harmonite, but the okay. way it seems to be going... Yeah. I mean, like, that, that will come eventually. There's not really any doubt in my mind. That'll probably be 2013, though, by the looks of it.
7: Yeah. Probably early 2013 as well.
6: Yeah. But... That's, uh, that's what our eShop for the, and, and then, uh, the October game that they highlighted was Night Sky, which is the, the Nicholas game. So we, we've got marquee eShop games coming out once a month, um from now until, I would assume January. Uh, I would think that the early 2013 means that Tokyo Crash Mobs might not be a January release, but I think it will be. And, uh, the other, the other big news is that level 5 is finally doing that international publishing that they kept on threatening for a number of years. <laughs> um, they they open up offices, and I know North America. I think there's a European office too. Don't quote me on that. But either way, Level Five is bringing three of the four Guild Zero 1 games to the 3DS eShop in Europe and North America. Uh, in Europe, the first one, Liberation Maiden, which is made by Suda Fifty One and Grasshopper, along with you know folks from Level Five. Uh, that, that is already out in Europe for what looks like it'll be about 10 bucks when it comes to North America soon. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, Liberation Maiden is, I think some, I, I don't know what it, like an, a shooter in the same vein as like, you know, fast-paced action side-scrolling shooters. I, I don't know the full.
7: At, at first glance, action. it kind of reminded me of Kid Icarus.
6: I don't. I think it's a lot more of a traditional suit, shooter than that. Yeah, it but was just story, that initial, like, touchscreen that I saw. The story is what's winning about it, is that, like, it's, it's the shooter where I think you're in a robot or a mech or some shit, and you play the, like, 15-year-old president of Japan because your father has been assassinated. Like, what the fuck? <laughs>
7: <laughs> it's got me already.
6: And it's called Liberation Maiden, which, after knowing that and then going back to the title, it's ridiculous. Um, I, I don't really like shooters that much, but just because it's, I'm so glad to see the Guild Zero One 1 games, except for, except for one of them, which I, I don't know too much about. I know, well, well have to get Danny Bivens on at some point to talk, to talk Guild Zero One 1 with us. Um, but one of them's not making it over, and that appears to be some sort of, like, rental shop RPG, which I don't really know why that one's not making it over, unless that'll come later. I don't know why I didn't get in this announcement. Um... And for those who don't know, Guild Zero One 1 is just this thing that Level 5 did where they work with notable designers on these kind of, like, not mini-games, but just smaller concept games. The, the, the other two that are coming out, uh, they're slated for November and December, respectively, in Europe and in North America just before the end of the holiday season for all three. Uh, one's from Ute Saito, the guy who did, like, Sim Tower and Odama. It's called Aeroporter, which as far as I know, it's basically like a, a luggage management game. It's kind of like a fast-paced like sort the luggage as fast as you can. And you may I, have turned
7: I, me off from this by saying Yeah. <laughs> um I, I don't
6: I I don't think you're gonna be like, you know, playing the bongos and yelling at your 3DS. Um although that would have made Odama better if they used the Bongos. They didn't that wasn't an early version of the game. And the third game is an RPG called Crimson Shroud. That is uh, headed up by Yasumi Matsuno, who's best known for working on stuff like Final Fantasy Tactics and Vagrant Story. I recall hearing when Guild Zero One first came out in Japan that this was kind of like the gem of it. I could be wrong, but uh, Crimson Shroud is like a—it's a traditional SRPG in which um, I think that the plot is, is that. Like it's one thousand years in the past, and you in a world that it one that that currently has magic, but in the past they don't, and you find out how they get magic or something like that. I've heard very good <laughs> things about it, and um, I guess I kind of see why that's the third one to come out. It also seems like it might be the best one. Yeah. So, are you guys kind of interested in any of these games, or no? Definitely Crimson Shroud. After you just described that.
7: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so in describing these games you sold Patrick on two of the three it sounds
6: like yes yes <laughs> the,
7: the airport simulator did not
6: in all honesty Aeroporter is like the one I want the most because of how fucking stupid it sounds <laughs> it depends how cheap that one I, I have over. a feeling they're all probably going to be ten bucks That's dollars I don't sense.
7: think I could justify an yeah. airport simulator
0: <laughs> yeah no I mean this sounds cool I mean this is a really, a, a really uh, neat initiative I think yeah, I mean it's it,
6: it's a game that pretty much everyone was like, "That's never coming over here." Was this
0: was this a retail game, like just a yeah. All these games on one cart. Okay. Yep. Yeah. This they is are cool. making
7: Guild Zero Two correct already.
6: Yes. In Japan.
0: Uh, I don't know if it's out yet, though.
7: Yeah.
6: It might what, be uh... coming soon. I, I don't even. I, I kind of haven't really followed them too closely because I thought there was no shot in hell of them coming to Japan. But uh what? Or yeah, yeah, to America. They did come to Japan. That's where they were made. Assu- assuming
7: these do well, I can only guess that Guild yeah. Two, those games, will come over as well.
6: I mean, it's a it's a really smart strategy, I think, for Level Five to kind of you know bring people in that way, because it's a lot more of a risk to take on publishing your own games at retail. And instead of publishing their own games at retail, they're publishing them digitally and kind of getting a foothold. I mean, I, I'm not too up on what Level 5 does, but I know, like, they were hot as shit around when, like, the first Layton or two came out. And they, they put a lot of money into development and making these big games. I know, uh, Nino Kuni, the, the thing that they did with Studio Ghibli, kinda didn't really do as well as they thought, and I think, uh, they've, they've been having to deal with, a little bit with, uh, financial struggles. I mean, not to the point that, like, they're gonna shut down or anything, but I think their ambitions got cut down a little bit and it seems like this is how how they're going to do their overseas develop or overseas publishing. Um and it seems like it's going to be pretty smart. I mean, it's it's what a lot of companies like Exceed and Atlas do um where they're doing a lot more digital now than they used to. Ignition is the same way. I mean, that's how we wound up even even Ignition with Western Games because that's how we wound up with Order Up and Planet Crashers 3D being on the eShop was because they kind of wanted to go more digital and stay out of retail, which I think is really smart.
7: All of those companies also bring, in my opinion, at least the best games to digital content. Yeah. Like, most of everything that they release digitally is what I buy.
6: Yep. Um, so we'll move on to retail games coming to eShop, which, I'll, I'll run it down and then we can see if there's any chance of hell of any of us ever spending full retail price on games that we likely already own. Um... So, in Europe, available now, and available on October 18th in North America, and these are all for full price, Uh Mario Kart 7, Super Mario 3D Land, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 3D, and Star Fox 64 3D will all be available to be bought on the eShop. And, uh, and you know, so you can play it on your system without the use of a card. There was no... Uh, well, in Japan, it's those four titles, along with Mario Tennis Open, some nature book bullshit, Pilot Wings Resort, and Mario and & Sonic at the London Olympic Games. Um, those are all coming on November 1st in Japan. And in Japan, they mentioned a save transfer capability where, like, you could, you know, it, the example that they used was you could take your Mario Kart 7 save data, move it from the cartridge to your SD card, and then use that save data in the downloaded version of Mario Kart. But that's not coming until spring. So we didn't hear anything about that in North America and Europe, but I assume that will come eventually. It's just kind of, I mean, it's a matter of time, but even still, I, I, there's a part of me that knows that when these fucking things come out, I'm going to be like, cool, I totally need Mario Kart twice.
0: Um, (laughs) Well, because there's like, there's, there's, there's two things. There's that really big convenience. The convenience and and it's too bad it's not launching with these games coming out, but the ability to transfer your save data over totally yeah. makes it like, well, I might as well do it because all my stuff will be there, but it'll always be on the system this way, you know. Um, but
7: I, you, I, I, you could I, also transfer or buy the digital content, transfer your save data over, and then just sell your retail copy.
6: You could. That's very true, and I mean, I think that's something that, I mean, looking at at least these list of four games that they're going to start with, I could see myself doing that with Mario Kart without really batting an eye. Um, because, I mean, that's the thing, is that, like, it's not like these games, especially these four games, it's not like if you do do the save data transfer, or even if you just bite the bullet and then just, like, fuck it, I'll just get rid of the, the game and just start fresh. Um, you could probably, <laughs> you know, sell each game, if you wanted to, for 20 to 30 bucks, maybe? I don't know, I might be overselling it, um, depending on the game. But, I mean, for the convenience of playing Mario Kart 7 off of my 3DS... I'd probably pay 15, 20 bucks for that, you know, kind of like net net loss. Um, that's something that really appeals to me. Super Mario 3D Land, I don't think there's any chance of hell. I, I've beaten that game almost 100%. I'm stuck on the very, very last level that you unlock. I don't really have any need to have that on my system. Although I think I'd heavily consider it if it was new now. Ocarina of Time 3D is kind of the same way. That's not a game that I'm gonna like pick up and play randomly. Star Fox 64 3D is a game that. I could see thinking about, but not, not to double dip on that. I've already technically double dipped on that game twice.
0: Yeah, that's true. Why not make it a third? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's the only thing that would prevent me from picking these up right away is the fact that they're going to be the full $40. Whereas like, if you hadn't bought these games yet, you could at this point get them used for at least half off.
6: Well, I mean, they're know. still Nintendo games, so probably not.
7: <laughs> What about Pilot Wings? Is that still
6: $40? Um, we
7: don't know the Japan prices yet. Okay. I, it can't be. Like, that is retailing now for, what, 20 yeah. probably? Yeah,
6: if Pilot Wings is more than the equivalent of $20, well, I guess in Japan everything's more expensive anyway. But, you know, when Pilot Wings Resort comes to download in, uh, in North America, if it's more than $20, they're fucking crazy.
0: Well, that in Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, like that yeah. does not need to be full price. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. I mean, it's great to see them going back and putting old games on here. I mean, you know that they're going to do it from here on out with first party games, but the fact yeah. that they're putting in this effort to, uh, to increase this digital library of full games is great, I think.
6: And and because I think that uh, some people listening to us will probably give a shit about this, um, as far as anyone who's curious about how we get our review codes or review copies from now on, I mean, traditionally with Nintendo games, we would get physical copies. And I've actually kind of gotten an answer with that, that pretty much with every game, whether we like it or not, we're just going to get a code. Um, they they did make the comment that like stuff like Professor Layton will probably still get the physical game, but for most other games, we're probably just going to get the code. So that's that's for i know there's some people that like the inside baseball knowledge of that, um but yeah,
0: which I don't know i'm I'm okay with i I think I mean it depends what game you're reviewing, like I'll be reviewing uh Paper Mario in a little bit, and I feel like that's a game I'd hold on to regardless, yeah. so I'm fine with getting a digital copy, but if you're reviewing something that's not quite as good, you know a lot of times we review these games and then we sell them, <laughs> yeah, and you know make a little money. I mean
6: generally if it is Nintendo games then I don't think we'll have that much right. to worry about. No. Um but I mean I guess I'll just go into that debate for a little bit cuz I've I've been really scratching my brain over like what am I going to do? Like I know Crosswords Plus when I eventually get that like that that is a downloadable game no matter what. It's just $30 is kind of much. But with like Layton and Paper Mario I'm, I'm honestly torn although I think it might be the kind of case where I get them digitally out of convenience. Um, I'll be, uh, October 28th, when Layton comes out, I will be in Green Bay, Wisconsin, watching the Jaguars play the Packers. So I will have a flight home. I do not know if I will be able to go to the store to go get it, so I'll probably download that game because I want to play it. And the same thing on, on November 11th, when Paper Mario comes out, uh, my, my sister's getting married that day, so... I might I might be up at midnight the night
5: before
6: <laughs> downloading Paper Mario and playing it, um, and and that's the kind of thing is that it might it might just be that matter of convenience for me because I don't think I'd get rid of either game but at the same time like there is that niceness of having the physical item
0: even but if you can lend like it to people yeah
6: it's not like I'm gonna get rid of Layton or Paper Mario though but like I would be able to like you know be like oh man Paper Mario was great I beat that a while ago you got a 3ds now sure I'll lend it to you but now I can't. I don't know. I still have a, a month to figure it all and out. And, like,
0: you kind of alluded to it when you were talking about the, the games that are announced that are going to come out soon, um, these older games. But, uh, to me, it really depends on the style of games. So like, New Super Mario Bros. 2, great. Like, that's a perfect pick-up-and-play game. So, I like that being installed on the system. Yeah. I've um, I, I played
6: it a lot more because it's on, installed yes, on the system. Yes, it's,
0: because it's always with you, which is great. But, like yeah. you said, like, like something like uh, Paper Mario, where that's not really that type of game. Like, that is something that might be... I don't know if better, but you might Also, the prefer. box art's really awesome for that game. Yeah. I, I do like having boxes.
6: Yeah, there's, there, I mean, there's some value with that. I mean, even inside baseball talk as well, um, for for Wii U, when we get that, uh, we'll probably get the first wave, you know, that Nintendo Land and the Super Mario Bros. U, Ninja Gaiden, Sing Party, we'll probably get that all physically... Because uh the, the our Nintendo rep made a comment about how, like, you know, we want you to have the physicality of having the new boxes and stuff like that. Because, I mean, honestly, that is exciting. I, I have a feeling pretty much everyone, when they see their first Wii U box in person, you're going to have to pick it up, inspect it, and look at it. It's going to be cool.
0: There's always that, that joy of opening the box of new hardware. I mean, software's yeah. different, but hardware, is. Dude, especially. the 3DS cases were
6: so weird. Because it's it's like, this is exactly like a DS case, but it's so
0: light. <laughs> I hope, uh, well, when we get this, that Tyler can make another really amazing, uh, unboxing video.
6: Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, for, after we launch, we're probably getting all the games downloadable. Um, for Even third party,
7: or only first party?
6: Eh, that's, that's still the Nintendo answer for that is, well, you'll have to ask the third parties about that. I, I don't think we're gonna see any third party games downloadable at launch, but I guess the option exists. I mean, we'll see. It really, to be completely honest, Nintendo has no idea what the hell they're doing with with these digital retail games. They're really because they don't want to go full bore into it. Because I don't know if you guys followed anything with Sony with their day one digital stuff, where you get like uh, you get a, a small discount for downloading games the the day they come out digitally, uh, or at least for certain games. Um, but retailers got pissed. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, It's the risk you run. I don't really... Well, actually, I can tell you why no one really cares about some of the Vita games being discounted digitally when they come out because no retailer gives a fuck about the Vita. I,
0: um, I honestly never see any Vita displays Whenever you see them, anywhere. it's just like, the Vita's coming out in February. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, I guess it'll depend on the third party. I mean, like you alluded to, a lot of third parties already do release their games digitally on the, uh, the PS3 yeah. or the Vita. I mean, like, you could buy right now NHL 13, Resident Evil 6, Borderlands 2. I mean, you can buy and download those from the PS3 store, like, right now. Yep. Um, and so, like, those companies, you know, like EA. Um, well, EA they, fucking I know, like, hates Nintendo, so that's not happening. Well, okay, I guess that's true, but, but companies were <laughs> I mean, open to doing it already. Ubisoft, maybe. There you go, yeah, who's, like, Nintendo's boyfriend. Yeah. Um, We'll gladly do it. Well,
6: what happened was Nintendo and EA broke up, and then Ubisoft was just like, Hey, baby, hey, baby, you want to give us some early hardware? We'll make you a zombie game, baby, it'll be okay. You want a
0: new Rayman, baby? We got it for you.
6: <laughs> or I guess maybe you have to do it with a French accent or something. <laughs>
0: yeah. Which I'm not going to attempt. Yeah. If any of you want to, feel free. But
6: send uh, in <laughs> uh, you doing a fake accent, fake yeah. French accent with that
0: new contest. Know, yeah, people yeah. send in voice clips of you, uh, you doing a French accent, trying to wine and dine Nintendo as, it would be. As, as
7: a prize. Do they get to be on the show
0: doing their voice? No, <laughs> they'll get they'll get Neil's um, early copy of the Wii U early yeah, hardware. Yeah. So that's not gonna happen. Yet. Sorry. <laughs> just gonna just gonna
6: clear that up now. So before we get on to what you've been playing, uh, we've already been talking quite a lot about seemingly nothing, but it's fun. We like it. Um, We got a virtual console lineup for North America that's kind of exciting. And first I'm going to read the list that Nintendo presented to us today, and then I'm going to read a list of games that were confirmed for release in the second half of the year, earlier in the year by Nintendo, Uh, mostly from the mid-August press release that you know gave us the release date for Paper Mario and all that jazz. So what Nintendo confirmed to us today was that Mario Golf is coming on October 11th. Uh, that's next Thursday, and that's the Game Boy Color version of that game. Uh, Castlevania the Adventure, the Game Boy game, is coming out on October 25th. On November 8th, uh, two weeks later, Ninja Gaiden, the NES game, will be coming to 3DS Virtual Console. I will totally buy the shit out of that. Um, on November 22nd, the same day as Crash Mo, Zelda 2: The Adventure of Link, the Ambassador game will be coming out. So that means I'll probably actually play that game because it'll have save states. On December 20th, Wario Land 2 will finally make it to North America, and on December 27th, we will get Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels, the the NES version.
0: And so um, many stupid poor suckers will buy that.
6: Yeah, I I, I mean I own that on Super Mario All Stars, but I've not really ever played the original. NES version, but anyway um, so there's that list six games uh, through the rest of the year you know two in each month that they highlighted but then we have this other list that i I I mean negatively you know what we might just get these six games, but there's a chance um, for game gear we know that Sonic blast Sonic drift 2 Sonic labyrinth and columns should be coming out before the end of the year on the NES uh, Gradius should be coming out on the 3DS Virtual Console. On the original Game Boy, we should be getting Kirby Star Stacker and Kirby Streamland 2 at some point. And according to the Kirby Stream Collection book, they're already out in North America, when in reality, they're just out in Europe and Japan. And then on Game Boy Color, we should be getting Shantae uh, before the end of the year, and I I think that should be happening. I, I don't think WayForward's full of that much shit. Um, and then Harvest Moon on Game Boy Color and Legend of the River King, both Natsume games. And Natsume is celebrating some anniversary for Harvest Moon this year. And in a recent press release, they mentioned that Harvest Moon on Game Boy Color will be hitting the eShop at some point this year. So we could have we could have a, a veritable buffet of virtual console games. And, and there's a lot of quality in there. I'm very excited to, to play some of those.
7: Uh, I'm glad to see the virtual consoles finally back in full swing. There was that period before E3 where it was just dead. Yeah,
6: I mean they've been they've been relatively consistent, and I uh, think, ever,
7: ever since the summer of arcade, I think yeah. it's been picking back up.
6: Well, I would say August was kind of weak, but then lately it seems like at least every other week we're getting a virtual console game, and I really like when they give us a release list like this. Because, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this is. This I is mean, even, even this. To me. Yeah, I mean, even this. It's like okay, two a month, but that's two a month, and we could see other ones in between those those weeks too. But at a minimum, we know that we're getting two virtual console games a month, and that's something that I think is really imperative for Nintendo to do in every region. Is just, hey, you know what? There might not be a virtual console game this week, but guys, it's okay. Castlevania: The Adventure is coming out next week. <laughs> no one, no one's okay with that.
0: It's <laughs> kind, of, it's kind of weird how they space it out, though. I mean, it, it it starts off where it's almost like it starts off where it's almost like the beginning of the end of the month because you got Mario Golf next week and Castlevania. Well, it's every
6: two weeks until Mario Land Two and. Lost Levels are right after each other.
0: Right, but you have like a month between Zelda 2 and Wario Land yeah. 2, November 22nd and then December 20th. Um,
6: I mean, that's why that's I I, I hope, it's, it's not even like they're getting out of the way of other eShop games, because Zelda 2 is coming out on the same day as Crash Crashmo, and Super Mario Bros. Lost Levels is coming out on the same day as Fluidity. Right. It's weird. It is. And on that note, let's go to what you've been playing. Scott, you're up first with oh, geez. this week's big release
4: <laughs> Resident Evil 6
6: <laughs> Perfect, perfect If you want to hear about a good Resident Evil game We talked about Resident Evil 4 for the, uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award that it won For our uh, Best of the Week So go right. listen to that,
4: that came and out, out.
0: By the time you're hearing this, it came out the day before this It came out on yep. Friday So. Yep. And I, I want to start by talking about Resident Evil 4 for, uh, just a second here I, I, Patrick, have you played the game? No. (laughs) Okay. I had a feeling that was the case. But, Neil, I know you have. Yeah. And uh, as we know, the game starts out, uh, you know, Leon's being uh, driven by these two uh, guides down this, you know, path and in some vaguely Eastern European country. I don't know if it's ever said exactly where he is. Probably. I think it's made up. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of tension. You know, Leon gets out of the car and he's walking down this path and then you get into the town and you see this, like, weird ritual going on. And you can kind of explore before you even really start fighting the enemies. Like, if you're careful with it, you can kind of look around and really uh, get a feel for that first town before you engage the enemies. But after a little bit, um, you know, you end up inside one of the uh, the houses, and you push, like, bookcases to board the the doors and the windows and stuff. And slowly they start breaking in, and it's this very, like, slow build-up to this great, like, payoff. And there's a lot of tension Um and even with Resident Evil 5, it starts where um, Chris Redfield is, you know, exploring this this town in Africa, and all the uh, all the like townsfolk are like looking at him and like observing him. And it's not until you get into the game for a little bit that you find the first like quote unquote zombie. I'm not. I always forget what they call them now because they aren't zombies. But who knows? Yeah, you get the idea. Well, in <laughs> the Resident Evil 6, there's basically like a little bit of a training level before the the game really opens up and it starts with this huge explosion like on a on a city street and then you're you're leon from first person perspective and you're dragging your your partner um down the street like into an alleyway and first of all you have to tap x to uh to move her and to move yourself and then it to look around as you're doing that you use the the right stick which already means that you're moving your left hand over to the right stick on the controller to try to look around while you're uh while you're pressing X rapidly to to move. <laughs> and, like, the first, like, two minutes is all just, like, a bunch of quick-time events that are just, like, really poor done, poorly done. Um, so then you make it, you make her a little, like, green herb concoction and heal her, and then you get back out onto the, uh, onto the street. And so not only are you making your way through a bunch of zombies and, like, cars, like you're on a highway, uh, a fighter jet crashes into, like, the side of a building and then, like, lands in front Jesus. of you and, and blocks your path. So then you have to turn around and you're running. And then a helicopter comes and a soldier gets out and he's like, hurry, get on the helicopter. And he's just shooting a bunch of people with machine guns. And then he gets, uh, what have I think like a, like a tanker or something falls into the hole where the, the plane was. And so it makes this huge explosion. You, you, you and, and your partner get on the helicopter, but he's engulfed in flames. You begin to fly away. The helicopter pilot suddenly dies and, and turns into a zombie. Uh, so then Leon has to grab, <laughs> grab controls of the helicopter. And crash land it, and then you crash into like a building. Um, and then there's one final quick time event as you like jump out of the way as the helicopter, which is like hanging from wreckage, begins to like fall on you where you fell out of the helicopter. And like that's that's like the opening training level. I mean, this is like the first 10 minutes of the game is all of this. Well, yeah. And it kind of sets the tone for the whole the whole game, really. Um, if anyone's been following the reviews, like. You've heard the complaints that it's like at this point it's just all action game. Like there's no suspense, there's no like thrills whatsoever. And as far as I've seen, I've played about an hour and a half at this point. Like that's absolutely the case. Um, there, there just isn't. There's not any scares. There's not any moments where you're you're trying to be careful. I mean, it's just a, a run and gun game at this point. And um, and that that would be okay if it was done well. But, like, it's still, it just controls really poorly for a game of that design. Um, first of all, at least in Leon's campaign, I've seen videos where it's, like, there's stuff in daytime and it's easy to see stuff. But in Leon's campaign, it's, like, pitch black and it's, I, I've turned the brightness all the way up in, in the menu settings, which I've never done with a game before. And, like, I still can't see things when I'm, like, in hallways and stuff. Like, like <laughs> so I'll, I'll just be walking around and I will, like, literally bump into zombies because I can't see them. And, like, it's just terrible. And then the the zombies, I mean, they could virtually just be any enemy from any game. I mean, they, they don't necessarily act like like zombies, which is okay. I mean, in 4 and 5, you know, they're different. They're faster, and they run at you, and they have weapons. But, I mean, it just feels like you could be playing any, like, any generic action shooter. Um, You know, it's just in this, the enemies look like zombies instead of anything else. Um, They have, like, bottles of different weapons. They'll throw them at you, and they'll run at you. And for the most part, you just end up getting, like, overwhelmed, and you have to use your melee attack, um, which is just, like, really clumsy. And I don't know. It's just not any fun. <laughs> like, that that's the bottom line. I'm just not having any fun with it right now. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Did
7: you play Resident Evil Revelation, Scott?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love And, you, and you like that
7: one? Yes, okay.
0: a whole lot. I thought that was really good. I thought, because it kind of returned to, like,
7: I didn't classic. know how this compares to that.
0: Not well.
6: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing where, like, I realized this when I played Revelations and didn't really get too blown over by it, is that I really hate the Resident Evil games with the exception of 4. So I enjoyed Revelations, but I just, you know, got to a point where I'm just like, I just don't really care.
0: And, like, Revelations was kind of a little bit more of, like, a throwback to the classic games. Yeah. Um, It kept some of the elements of the the newer games. um, That it really...
6: There is one thing that I remember people complaining about in Revelations that I that I've heard is kept on in Resident Evil 6 is that in Revelations people complain about how you would shoot the monsters and they wouldn't really show any signs of stopping they'd be like bullet sponges and I've heard that's the same case in Resident Evil
0: 6 is that is that true? Not really. Oh, I mean okay. it depends. In some of the like more frantic moments where um there's a lot of of zombies coming in at you I mean, that that does seem to kind of be the case, but I think that's just because there's so much going on. But when you're yeah. when you're fighting just one zombie and he's, like, coming at you down a long corridor and you have a chance to pick him off, I mean, you know, you can... If he's holding something, you shoot him in the hand and he drops it. Um, you can see, like, at some points, you can see, like, wounds actually being inflicted to him. So, like, if you shoot him in the chest, you'll see a hole in his chest and stuff. Um, so I don't think that's the case. It, it does seem like they react, um, you know, as if they're really being shot. Yeah.
6: Um...
0: Which isn't the case in Revelations, yeah. It's kind of just a canned animation, um, no matter where you're shooting them, so but yeah, it it just it's just weird. I mean, it's just all action and it, it just doesn't control very well, I don't think. Um, and especially when things get tight and you're surrounded and stuff. It just it's just not fun to play. I mean that's 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 basically it. And it it's kinda too bad because it seems like they really tried to put a lot into the game. I mean, there's some interesting things. I mean there there's Four separate campaigns you can play, um, three of which are set up to be uh, co-op enabled, like right from the start. So when you even start playing the game, uh, it has you like set up your like network settings before you even start. So like you can set it open or private or just completely completely offline. So anyone can join your game if it's open, or if it's private you can invite your friends to come play with you. Or obviously for offline you don't have any of that. And, you know, that that stuff's kind of cool, and I'm interested to play a co-op. I haven't done that yet, so I'm interested to see how that kind of changes the experience. But, yeah, right now it's just very very bland. That sucks. Uh, Yeah. And then I guess going into it, I kind of had a feeling, because I was reading the reviews, you know, the day before the game came out, and none were too favorable. But I just felt like I kind of had to see it for myself. And some of them were like, you know, it's not Resident Evil, but it's a good action game. And I just don't even think it's a good action game. It's just <laughs> it's just very poor. So I would avoid this, I guess is what I'm saying. I, there's not much redeemable for me at this point, but we'll see. I, I mean, I'm going to finish it. I bought it, so it's not like atrocious, but it's just not a lot of fun. So that's Resident <laughs> Evil 6. <laughs>
6: I, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: it's okay.
7: You'll get over it.
6: <laughs> so, Patrick, I, yes. I I hear you're reviewing Angry Birds.
7: I, I am reviewing Angry Birds, and, l- and let me tell you, it is Angry Birds. It is the same Angry Birds that you have come to know and love on your iPhone slash Android device. Um, Basically, the game, it features Angry Birds, Angry Birds Seasons, and Angry Birds Rio, and it's just that. Um... It's got the basics, um using the touchscreen controls to control the slingshot and you throw the birds, destroy things, and it's Angry Birds. I mean, you guys have played Angry Birds, I'm sure. Right? Okay. Um so, so you know it's like fun, but not super engrossing. And as a retail game, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I can justify a $30 price tag on this.
0: <laughs> no, no you can't. <laughs> I mean,
7: isn't it already on clearance? I saw that image where it was, I think someone had it down at like $14. Yeah.
6: And even that's like, too much. So, so basically, does it do anything interesting with a 3D?
7: Uh, it does that affect where it's just... Like the birds and the things you're destroying are kind of popped out from the background.
6: Okay, so and the backgrounds like, do
7: have a little bit of depth to. So that. it's
6: basically like the the actual like the Angry Birds playfield that we're used to. That's on the top screen and on the bottom screen. It's just basically like that kind of it, it's theater rhythm like overlay. Shot oh, of... Okay, the zoomed in shot. Yeah.
7: And so you can what can can Angry Birds Wii on
6: Wii U on. will look like? Yes. Um, you, you
7: can control it using the analog stick and the. uh the buttons, but it, it doesn't work. This fucking time. dumb. Yeah. I, one thing I did want to complain about was the menu system. It's just so tediously slow because the menu. It's like it starts out with six different boxes, like um, you can go to like achievements, trophies, high scores, and then the three different games. And the way you select it is by kind of shooting a bird into the screen, <laughs> kind of like it. And you have to be like they thought so that precise. Was so clever. Yeah, it it just doesn't work because instead of just tapping on the menu you want to go and you want to play the game, no, you have to sit there and angle your bird and fire it and make sure the trajectory is right so it gets into the first. <laughs> That's the one thing that really bothered me because I was trying to f- figure out what each menu did individually and I was sitting there for a good 10 minutes just going back and forth, back and forth, trying to aim the birds.
0: That's awful. <laughs> <laughs>
7: I, I wouldn't recommend this version of Angry Birds.
0: Not. At all. I mean, how much are, if you wanted to buy each of those games on the iPhone, what would that come They're to? They're free. <laughs> so they, they all have free versions? I know the original did. I didn't know if like Rio and stuff was I don't I know too. Space
6: does, but Space isn't even on the. Space is actually, I think, kind of good. I don't think any of the other ones really are good, but Space actually introduces new concepts that are fun. But that is nowhere to be seen on this game.
7: No, it's only Rio, Seasons, and the original. I mean, I mean, they, each game, I guess, has a lot of content in its own, right? Like, I probably put in 40, 50 minutes, and I'm only in the first of six areas, and not even halfway through that. So, there's a lot to do, but it's gonna get old really quick, because it's the same thing, just different level design. And
6: if it were on eShop, that would be another thing.
7: Yeah, if they released it on the eShop for four dollars, that's even a little bit more reasonable. But, (laughs)
6: <laughs> but, anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you're playing more interesting stuff. Uh, you, you opened up a WoW account. I never knew that you ever really played World of Warcraft.
7: I, I played World of Warcraft probably about a year ago, and uh, the new expansion came out, so of course I went and upgraded my account and resubscribed just for a month. I'm not going to become one of those addicts. Sure. Yeah, we'll yeah. see.
6: I'm going to put up that job posting for a news editor now, buddy. <laughs>
7: Um but surprisingly the new expansion is much better than I anticipated. I each time a new expansion came out, I always bought the upgrade and then just played it for a month or two and then I was just done with it, but this one is more engrossing for sure. How are the pandas? They um, they're, they're, they're pandish and definitely a highlight. <laughs> um but one of the, the main things I wanted to touch on was the questing in the game. It each um for those that don't know, World of Warcraft, like, a new area is split up into different zones that have their own, like, little quest chains or something. It's kinda like lines. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> That's a good comparison, actually. And where, where I like this expansion more than previous ones is that each zone feels like its own individual area where it's telling a story with persistent character interaction. Where you're, you're dealing with the same people at the start of the area. Through the end of the area, and then it's all contributing to this overall story for the whole expansion, which they kind of did before in World of Warcraft, but not really. So I'm really enjoying that, and th- this is kind of the Nintendo tie-in that I wanted to mention: is the po <laughs> the the Pokemon battles in World of Warcraft. Yeah, but um, it, it's just pet battling. You can collect little. Critters and pets level them one through twenty-five, and I think they get six moves total. And you can form a party of three, and it's just basically Pokemon battles against
0: random people. If you like that, people. you should play Dragon Quest Five. <laughs> and if you and if you like that, you should play Pokemon.
6: Yeah, and that too. But Dragon Quest Five is a uh, I mean it's it's a game that like you know you have your party, but you also have all these creatures that will not join your party. And it's kinda like Pokemon and that.
0: I really dug that when I played it. Well see, WoW already outdoes Pokemon, because these critters, these uh your pets can learn six moves at a time. I know. That's incredible. And,
7: uh, I think you can only use three moves at a time. Oh that's bullshit. Oh, yeah, I, so I think you can learn up to six moves though. Fuck WoW.
0: But so in between battles can you like alternate, like switch moves out and like and switch like See,
7: I I haven't messed with it that much. All I've just done a few simple battles against um for instance, our programmer on the site, Dave. Um, Scott, you've met him and yes. talked with him. He'll we be on to... this episode, actually. Yes, with Dr. a letter. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was doing some pet battling with him. Did you kick his ass? No, no, he destroyed me. Aww. <laughs> well,
0: he's yes. a programmer. He probably cheated somehow. <laughs> Fucking programmers,
2: man.
7: But the one thing that is great is there's such a variety in the like different kinds of critters and pets that you can collect. Cool. Like, I was just flying around, and there's just so many different kinds.
0: And if you've already had a bunch of pets, because I know like throughout World of Warcraft you've been able to collect things oh, and stuff, like you can yeah. use those pets, right?
7: Well, when I uh, when I turned on my account, I went into my little pet journal. It was called instead of like your Pokédex. <laughs> <laughs> Real and, subtle Blizzard. I already Real I already subtle. had like twenty in there, so it was quite nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Not much else to say about World of Warcraft. It's. Wild. If, if you have played it, you understand yeah. that it's addicting and good.
0: How many pandas have you made so far?
7: I, I didn't make any pandas. Wow. I'm I'm just trying to level my, my night elf priest up to level ninety.
0: <laughs> what what's the uh what's the name of the panda in uh um... Pandarians? No 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 in uh, yeah. Kung Fu Panda. And have you seen a panda with that name yet?
7: Uh Poe, I think it was.
0: Yeah.
6: And have you seen uh, a panda with that name? I yet? I have not. You know what's the really funny thing is how like everyone's complaining about like, oh it's just fucking Kung Fu Panda, why would they do this? It's like but it's actually part of Warcraft lore. Like, yeah, it's that, that's stupid, a argument but it's
2: legitimate.
0: Hear. Are the pandas part of Warcraft? Warcraft? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. They've been from, around for a while. From
0: when? <laughs> I mean, I've played a handful of Warcraft games. I don't remember no pandas. Go, go fucking Google it, man. I don't <laughs> want to play Warcraft games much. <laughs> I mean, you know, i played Warcraft 2, 3, and the expansions to 3 and stuff, and I don't remember any pandas, but... I mean, I don't, I don't doubt what you're saying. I'm just saying, you know. It's just bad timing <laughs> is all.
7: You asked about a reference to Kung Fu Panda. Um I didn't see that, but there are references to other things. Like there was one quest I was doing where a guy got shot by an arrow and he said to help him up, he took an arrow to the knee. Oh god. If you know Skyrim. That's a meme that can <laughs> just go away. There's also <laughs> it wasn't really an ever that funny
6: to begin with.
7: Yeah. The just the fact that they include things right. like that. What
0: what was, was the other one like, you were going to say? Uh it, it was an achievement. 3. War- That's where they're from. Oh, is that one? Really? Okay. Air. I don't remember, but okay.
7: Um, th- There was an achievement called I'm Pandaren, and I, or whatever that song is, the uh LMFAO song. Oh, like I'm Pandaren, I'm Pandaren and I know it. And I know it, yeah.
4: <laughs> not
0: bad, not bad. Blizzard's usually pretty good about that. I mean, even like in their, uh, like the strategy games like StarCraft and WarCraft and stuff, I mean, there's always those things where you can click the same character over and over and eventually it'll begin to say like funny things or like, yeah, reference pop culture and stuff. So they've always had those little like Easter eggs in there, I guess.
7: Oh, well, I don't have much else to say on that. If you like WoW, go get WoW.
0: <laughs> is it enough, like, do you think, like, if, say, someone's burnt out on WoW and they've moved on and it's been, like, two years since they've played, is there enough new and, like, fresh content in there that they should come back?
7: I would definitely think so, yeah. There, there's a lot different. Like, they revamped the entire um, system of, like, attacking things. Everything's different. New talents, and I feel like a lot of this is just lingo for World of Warcraft. Well, players, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't want to ramble on too much into the specifics,
0: but is there still one more planned expansion to World of Warcraft? Do you know? There's,
7: I don't know. Okay, I, I, they're probably going to do another.
0: I, for some reason, thought least. there was another, but like at some point, they have to move on, right? I mean, don't we know that yeah, they're yeah. moving on another or they're working on another yeah. MMO? Like, they've announced that, right? They haven't said what yeah. it is or what. Like franchise World of Warcraft's been
7: around for eight years now, yeah, I
0: think. which is crazy. I mean, it came out when yeah. I graduated high school.
7: <laughs> I, I, I just read today as well. <laughs> wow. Um, that they're up over 10 million subscribers again. I saw that. Which is, which is nuts. That many people still playing just boggles my mind. When you buy the
0: game, though, does it come with a free month? No. Oh, okay. So people actually had to resubscribe.
6: Hm. yeah, Yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as I can tell, just doing my little Dime Store research, is that the, the Pandas, the, the, or the, the Pandarans or whatever, um, they were always kind of a joke, but they were, they, like, they've been basically teased for years. Um, yeah. So, Patrick, you played Sonic Adventure 2?
7: Yeah, um, (laughs) this is the HD remake
6: on the the PSN. How's it look? Does it look like a modern-day game or a Dreamcast game?
7: It looks like, um, did you ever play the GameCube version of Sonic Adventure 2? Oh, yeah, it's probably
6: based off of that.
7: Yeah, it it looks a little bit better than that.
0: Well, see, Neil, Neil, that's a true question, because Dreamcast games already look like modern-day games. Ah! Shit was ahead of its time. (laughs) Not really. No, not at all.
6: Yeah. Um,
7: I, I I only downloaded the demo, so I only got to play one level, the City Escape. Level, oh, it's a great level.
6: I know. <laughs> Fucking love that level. Highlight I, of the game.
7: I, I Don't I didn't play know anymore. more. was gonna be I, I played that level twice and I, I was done.
6: <laughs> like do they have the option to like play any of the bullshit Knuckles levels? Um not in the demo. Oh, Those are man. I sure I've I've beaten that game completely. I don't know what's yeah. wrong with me. I I one I'm thing I wanted to make sure was got the,
7: the chow. The Chao system, oh, uh, yeah. do you remember? Yeah, I wanted to make sure that was still there, and it is. Yeah, man. It's really tempting for $10 on the PSN. It was just, when I was playing it, something, I played it on the GameCube. I never had the Dreamcast version.
6: I never and, really, I played the Dreamcast version, but I, I didn't own the Dreamcast until a couple years. Uh, basically, I think I owned Sonic Adventure 2 on GameCube before I even owned a Dreamcast.
7: But um, something just felt strange about it. Like, I couldn't grasp the controls again. Like, I wasn't doing real well. Because it's an old I, game. Yeah, I guess that's what it was. It's just when Sonic Adventure 2 Battle was out, I was so good at those levels. Like, I was A-ranking everything, and it's just, I, I scored E twice in a row.
6: <laughs> I mean, I just remember with Sonic Adventure 2, like, it's it's such a dumb fucking game. Because the Sonic and Shadow levels are pretty much all legitimately fun. Like, I yeah, remember yeah. loving the crap out of those levels. And then, like, when it your Tails or and... Robotnik... And you're just like a mech shooting things. Like, okay, that that's that's not as good, but it's still kinda fun. And then the knuckles and the fucking bat levels. Like, <laughs> they are terrible. I remember I,
7: I specifically remember one of the bat levels, you were in like a a bank there... and you were going through vaults oh, or something. Like...
6: <laughs> the pumpkin one where there's a oh. knuckles with the fucking wrap. Like I had that like I I I should listen to it, because I I want to remember what it is, but I just had it stuck in my head for days afterwards, like, some kind of fucking Stockholm Syndrome, just being like, uh, uh-uh, stupid pumpkin level, Pumpkin Hills, or whatever. Like, there's, like, there were were a lot of good things I thought about Sonic Adventure 2, but just on the whole, there was so much bullshit that, like, why, why, why? It's like with Resident Evil 6, how, like, it's a game where they're like, we made four campaigns that are all eight to ten hours long, but the game fucking sucks. Like... Can I mean, and it looks like Sega kind of learned the lesson, because I think that's what Generations was like, um, where it was just kind of like fucking Sonic levels. That's the game. Um, Because I kept on being concerned about, like, well, we can't have them be short. It's like, I don't care if it's short. Just make it
0: good. You know, when you said Resident Evil 6, I wanted to bring up, too, there was one other thing that irked me. There, you, there's three different buttons you use to pick up things off the ground, like ammo, to open <laughs> doors, or to open doors with your partner. So square opens or picks up items, uh, X or opens doors, and then circle opens doors with your partner. That's and ridiculous. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I just had to throw that in there. <sighs> well, I'm I'm gonna
6: talk about a, a Sega game that is really really good. Uh, hell yeah, Wrath of the Dead Rabbit. Um, it's a game from Arcado Studio. They made Big Bang Mini on the DS and some Xbox Live Indie games that I've never played. Um, but what this game is, it's sort of like Drill Dozer. It's sort of a Metroidvania. But it's just this gorgeous 2D side-scrolling game where you're uh, the Prince of Hell named Ash. And you have like a chainsaw jetpack around you. And the, the plot of it is that you're the Prince of Hell. And you have a fetish for rubber duckies. Some monster comes in and snaps a picture of you in the bathtub with a rubber ducky. And then everyone calls you a pussy. <laughs> so being the Prince of Hell, your idea is like, well, 100 people saw that on the internet before it got taken down. I've got to kill all those motherfuckers. So that's the game. You're just going through these different zones and areas uh, looking for monsters to kill them. Um, and when you kill them, like, usually... Sometimes it's just, like, you know, you basically just happen upon a guy and you fucking chainsaw him to death. And sometimes it's, like, a, you know, a fuller boss battle. Um, but when you have them down to the, the end of their health, there will be, like, a WarioWare game will come up. Where it's, like, one of them might be, you know, you know, time the the button press so the thing... Like, the, the arrow that's moving is in the green. Or, you know, there there's stuff where it's just, like, um... There's, like, random quizzes that show up and all this other shit. It's just really, really weird and esoteric sometimes. But it's just a lot of fun. And it is a game that kind of relies on that little bit of, like, two-stick navigation shit, too. Um, Well, not navigation, but just, like, the way you use your weapons is kind of weird because you always use the right stick to kind of guide it, and you use the trigger buttons to kind of, like, use what weapon you're using. So like you'll you know have the chainsaw around your your jetpack that's around you, um, so you have this circular bait around you, and you use that by holding a like trigger button and using the right stick in one direction, and then if you hit another trigger button, then it's basically like a twin stick shooter, and you have guns to fire. It's it's a little weird, but I mean it's just, it's it's kind of incredible because it it varies it up a lot. There was a spot where I was in a I was in a ship in space, I I was underwater in a submarine, um. And I'm probably about halfway through it. I think I've killed about 50 of the 100 monsters, and it's it's just a ton of fun.
7: I'm not sure if you mentioned this before, but just to clarify, is this on the PlayStation yeah, yeah, Store? Yeah, this or? is on uh, XBLA
6: PlayStation, and it came out on Steam this week. Um, it's it's cheaper with PlayStation Plus, Patrick. You, you save four bucks. I don't know how long the discount's going, but it's it's really really good. And I was torn between that and Tokyo Jungle, and I picked this, and oh, I've come to the conclusion Jungle. that I don't want Tokyo Jungle. Because right. I heard too many people go like, it's just like Dead Rising. I'm like, well, I don't really like that game. So, well, yeah, not that you, it's just like Dead to, Rising. You
0: get to raise, like, an army of beagles and just, like, I mean, that,
6: that lions is and cool. stuff. But... Um, <laughs> In um, Tokyo. So I mean, yeah. it's, like, a yeah.
0: roguelike,
6: and it has a lot of that, like... You're gonna die a lot and then restart and do the same thing over and over again. It, maybe with yeah. a different animal. And yeah. that doesn't appeal to me as much, despite the fact that the idea is so so awesome.
0: It's so great. I love the I love that you have to mate in order to like continue. Yeah, and the like game. you
6: see the animals mount each other. Yeah,
0: that's great.
6: <laughs> like there's a lot about that game that like I think I would like get drunk and laugh at it, but I, I as like someone who doesn't have as much time to play games. Yeah. Um. Or at least, especially like games in my free time, like I'll choose Hell Yeah over Tokyo Jungle. Um. I really, really like Hell Yeah. It just, I mean, it's it's a 2D platformer, and there's just a lot of insanity about it. I highly recommend it to anybody. You may have sold me on this to anybody who likes 2D platformers that are crazy as shit. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like you know, there's there's some issues with it. There's some like ridiculous checkpoints. Um. Like, you know, you could kill... A, well, I, I think it usually... De- even if you die and have to, like, cover a lot of ground, if you killed any monsters, that saves. But you still have to, like, go through all these different obstacles sometimes. But, I mean, I haven't really run into that issue too much. Although, like I said, I'm only halfway through the game. Um, I guess we're, we're running a little long. So I might just mention that I'm playing the Dempament as well. And uh, Nate Andrews is working on the review. And I believe me, him, and Tyler are going to record a segment on that soon, so I'll save my thoughts for that. But to kind of summarize, the Men is like Dragon Quest Lite, and I don't know if I'd really say it's that good, but I have a lot of fun playing it. Um, did either of you guys play the demo?
7: I tried the demo, and I did like maybe two fights down in the one dungeon. I'd collected three men did two fights and I was just turned off by it. I the fights just didn't interest me.
6: It's it's really like difficult when you first start off and once you collect more tempo men, and eventually like probably within like the second by the second hour you, you have eight guys in your party. Um and when you have that it opens the game up a lot more. But if you did like I mean I kind of enjoy the demo, so that's why I went for the full game.
7: But I just don't understand why, when you're fighting in the dungeon, I there was just, like, one move, I just, like, would click auto-attack or something. Oh, that if,
6: if you go down, you can select them individually. But I actually found that the auto-attack is, I mean, it's the kind of thing where it just kind of simplifies the act of those, you know, kind of basic dungeon-crawling RPGs, like a Dragon Quest, where instead of having to, you know, go through every standard battle and select everyone's move, you just hit auto and watch it go, and it usually works. And then when you want to fine-tune it, you can. It's a TV-watching game for me.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, I uh, I haven't played the demo, but I kind of prefer that because that means I just have no fucking idea what Patrick means when he says he did two fights in a dungeon and collected three Denfamen. <laughs> I just like to have no idea what that could possibly mean. <laughs> so that, that's just me. Yeah. Uh,
6: so the last thing that I'm going to talk about is the new Super Mario Brothers 2 DLC, which finally hit North America after coming out in Europe and Japan earlier in the week. Um, I got all three... Level packs, and I think on the whole it's all really cool. I think the idea of DLC for New Super Mario Bros. 2 is awesome, and it makes Coin Rush even better. And I was already having a lot of fun with Coin Rush. Um, What it does is basically instead of giving you like random levels, you, in addition to like the the mushroom, the flower, and the star pack, you can get you know anywhere from one to three new packs, which three levels same every time. Um, The first one is the Gold Rush pack where there's just a fuck-ton of coins. Like, with minimal effort, you can get the, the 3,000 max coins that you can get, um, like, total. Well, I guess there's it 30,000. It's 30,000, I think. Um, but, I mean, it's just a lot of fun kind of having this easy level where the goal is not necessarily to, you know, just survive or anything. It's just like, all right, how many freaking coins can I get out of this level this time? And there's a lot of hidden areas, and I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, the second one, uh, the coin challenge one that has online leaderboards that I haven't really checked out yet, isn't really too interesting, it's kind of just standard fare, not really too super into that one, and the third one, um, I almost got to the end, but it's the the Nerve rack Pack, and it's hard as shit, but it's so much fun. What, That's the one that interested me the most. Well, what I actually did with it was because I couldn't beat the first level, and I was just like, I just want to see what the other levels are. So I did. Uh, I played it as, like, the, the white raccoon Mario. So, you know, you're, you're invincible. Um, but the problem with that is the second and third levels in that kind of rely on you to bounce off of Koopa Troopa's heads to stay up. And when you are that white raccoon, you just kill them instantly and go right through them. <laughs>
0: That's a weird oversight
6: Yeah, I was not able to beat the third level with the the Invincible Raccoon, but at least I I got to see all three levels, I was just kind of curious to see what they all looked like, and now I'll go back to, you know, slamming my head against the wall with the first one Um, but it just, it, it really is, it's super challenging and it's a lot of fun but the, the one issue with it is that, I know Danny and his impressions mentioned Super Meat Boy level difficulty but the key thing about Super Meat Boy and a lot of those really hard like platformers, like Bitcher Runner, etc., is that there is really a minimal delay from when you die and when you start again. The problem with the coin rush stuff is when you die, you have to start the entire thing over again. So does that make it really rewarding when you hopefully eventually beat all three levels? Oh, yes, of course. But until you do, it fucking sucks. (laughs) Because that first level is already very hard, and I can tell you if I legitimately beat that and get to the second level and die halfway through that, I'll just be angry. (laughs) Like <laughs> um, But, I, I mean, I think it's really cool, and I look forward to seeing more levels come out of this, because it seems like, you know, I mean, well, the way I'm looking at it is that two out of three ain't bad. One of them's kind of forgettable, but if two of them are really fun, then uh if if they're going to keep on releasing sets of three packs and two of them are good and one of them isn't, that's that's awesome. That That's a good percentage. Yeah, um, I'd say yeah. so. Are, are any of you guys interested in the DLC? I'll probably pick up.
7: Probably the first and last pack. Yeah, that's unless that's what I would recommend,
6: unless the online leaderboard stuff gets interesting, which I kind of doubt.
7: Yeah, like for me, I have yet to get a street pass for New Super Mario Brothers two, so I'm not really into the coin rush, probably as much as you are. Yeah, I'm sure you've been. Yeah, that that helps a lot. I
6: I've, I've been living off of the fatted calf that I got at the
0: Wii U event. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are. I've gotten a few. Uh, yeah street passes with with coin rush stuff and it it is actually a lot of fun i mean it gives you someone to compete against you know it's great even yeah. if you don't know that person it's kind although of although i
7: without without that incentive i just have no yeah. reason to endlessly do it right
0: well you got to get those million coins yep <laughs> Can we just spoil it? I haven't looked it up, but Neil, you probably know. What, what's the reward for getting the million? Just tell you me. You really want to know? Just tell me. I'm going to just, if it's, you don't tell me now, I'm just going to look on GameFAQs after we It is so dumb. You want? That's know what, what I happens? heard. That's what I heard. <laughs> the
6: fucking main screen changes. That's it? <laughs> that's <is> it. <laughs> what does it change to? It's just like all gold and there's like maybe a statue of Mario or something. Fuck you, Nintendo. <laughs> I remember like there was all the speculation like maybe you'll unlock another character that you can play as. And I'm just like, oh that'd be cool and then someone got to it and I looked it up and I'm like, You're fucking kidding me <laughs> really? I I might I might get it, like especially just playing these. I think I went up fifty thousand coins in like fifteen minutes. Yeah, I, even, I, I
0: heard. I heard on Twitter that with these level packs, I mean, you're pretty much guaranteed to get a million if you put yeah. them consistently. Like, you get a ton of coins. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I
6: think the
7: first level pack gives you on average about thirty thousand well, each. Well, thirty
6: thousand is like that's the limit for all the levels. So basically, like, if you do it decently, you'll get thirty thousand coins. I mean, that's that's a big reason why you know. Well, I think it's actually. I think I've gained more than. I think I was at like one seventy five and now I'm past two fifty.
0: Yeah. Um, that's yeah. just crazy. I mean, the whole conceit of the game is to collect a crazy amount of coins. In the beginning, it says There's try no to collect fucking rewards. Try to collect a million, and then it's like, look, we changed the splash screen at the yeah. front. Hooray! You know what, guys, I mean,
6: that shit worked on Mario Kart sixty four, but it's not going to work in two thousand twelve.
0: Fuck off. I, I did. I loved that with Mario Kart sixty four. Even in the first, so Party, the first Mario Party, the first Mario Party, the the menu screen would change depending who won the last round.
6: Well, I mean, it's also the kind of thing where, like, that's a game that you play with other people, so you can be like, hey man, look at how big my Nintendo 64-shaped dick is. <laughs> <laughs> look at that, I got the alternate, I got the alternate title screen of Mario Kart 64. Is with New Super Mario Bros.
0: 2, you're like, I finally got it. You look around, you're alone. Shit. <laughs> There's beer bottles and, like, and ramen, empty ramen packages everywhere. And... I'm gonna take a picture of this
6: and post it on Twitter. And you post it on Twitter, and someone's like, man, fucking A, I didn't get it yet, why'd you post it? <laughs> Yeah, all you get is shit. No retweets, <laughs> no favorites, just shit. <laughs> no one's like, good job. Everyone's just yeah. like, fuck you. Get a life, hippie.
0: <laughs> God. How sweet was that alternate menu screen in Mario Kart, though? It was like the sun was setting, right? It was like a yeah, nice, like, was orange backdrop.
6: Yeah. Like, I I mean, it is the kind of thing... I, I do feel a little ridiculous that, like, I look back at that, I'm like, oh, that was so cool, and I think, like, was there anything else unlockable in Mario Kart 64? No. Oh well, yeah. And then like, like I'm look I'm looking at this with a million coins. I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. Where I probably put more work into Mario Kart 64.
0: Yeah. Well, Mario Kart 64, you could unlock like the track, like the mirror tracks and stuff like yeah. that. I guess, but yeah. Um,
6: yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I I'm digging the new Super Mario Brothers 2 DLC. Um, I think it's a good idea. I almost played the style savvy demo. For this purpose, <laughs> I'm probably still going to play it Right impressions, but I'll wait until the second demo comes out, which will be after the game comes out, but let's face it, unless um, we convince Carmine to come on here, no one's going to fucking talk about Style Savvy. Absolutely. Do we know <laughs> but, how many DLC packs they're doing for New Super Mario Brothers? Uh There's another one in November, and another one in December, I think. Or it might be the end, the end of October and December. I don't know if it's done after that, but that's okay. what they, they've announced, that's what they is announced that there before. are two more coming this year. Hmm.
7: Do you think they're going to bring DLC to New Super Mario Bros. U? I don't know. Like, they're doing
6: it with this, so why wouldn't they? I know with Nintendo Land, I think they put the kibosh on DLC, but with New Super Mario Bros. U, I guess it's totally possible. I would I would assume that the hooks will be in for New Super Mario Bros. U. I would hope so, but I don't know if we'll see it
0: announced right away. Yeah, I mean, if they did it for this for Coin Rush, I mean, I guess they could do it for, what, Boost Rush mode or whatever. Yeah, but Coin uh, Rush is actually fun. Yeah,
6: that's true. <laughs> that's boost true. Rush, I mean, I, it's like maybe I shouldn't just judge it from when I played at the event, but playing Boost Rush at that Wii U event the other week pretty much zapped all of my interest in New Super Mario Bros. 2. Like, it's it's the kind of thing I was talking about with a friend of mine, where it's was just like, you know what, when, when, when that game comes out, you know, I'm still going to be excited, don't get me wrong. But right now, it's just like, I look forward to the Wii U and I'm just like, Nintendo land looks really fun. Someone mentions Mario, I'm like, nope, not gonna do it for me right now. Because it's just there's so many good things about that game, but just my last experience but it was so just bleh. You
0: Neil, know, if there was anything to to kind of base your opinion of not liking it off of, it would be playing it. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't don't feel don't, <laughs> don't say, I don't know if I should not like it. I mean all I did was play it. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good basis to uh to make your opinion from.
6: The only time I really enjoyed playing that game and I played it uh there was like the Wii U experience in New York, there was E three and there was the Wii U preview event. Didn't really enjoy it at the Wii U preview event. Didn't really like it that much at E three. Um, I do I do love the the Flying Squirrel suit, though. That is fantastic.
0: Yeah, it looks pretty but sweet.
6: The only time I enjoyed it when I when I was playing with two of my friends and we just griefed the shit out of each other. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just what I'm gonna do when I get the game. It's just <laughs> either play it by myself or just be like, Hey, hey guys, come over. Someone's gonna use the Wii U gamepad and try to place the blocks and kill everyone. It's gonna be awesome. What
7: well, What you're gonna do is bring over all the children in your family and just you control the gamepad.
5: Yeah,
6: <laughs> and just kill them. Yeah, uh-huh. i just be like, Hey, hey, nieces, want to come over
0: and play some Mario? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna die. I've uh I've decided that my mission between now and when the Wii U actually launches is to get everyone to believe that you already have the Wii U, um, as we almost had happen on Twitter today <laughs> with Mike. So, like that's
4: that's my super goal. <laughs> it's like to... I reread what
0: I wrote, being like, did did I make it seem that way? Not at all, but <laughs> that's what he read it as. So that that's my goal. I'm hoping by like the end of October, everyone can just already be, be believing that you've been playing the Wii U for like three and a half weeks. <laughs> I'm gonna look forward to you, like, tweeting at me, just being like, yeah man, how's Nintendo land? (laughs) Yeah. Yo, you ever get past, uh, World 2 Level 3 on, uh, Mario Wii U or what's up? So, so did you finish Zombie U yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah man, so, so
6: how's, uh, how's Black Ops 2? I, I heard you've been playing that.
0: Yeah, so what's that like on the touchscreen? Does that work pretty well or what's the multiplayer like? (laughs) (laughs)
6: Yeah. That's my goal, so. Yeah, anyway. There's cool stuff coming out soon, and but yeah, bye.
0: (laughs) 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 All right, and that will do it for episode fifty-four of Connectivity. As always, you can send us listener mail to connectivity at nintendolreport.com. If you get a chance to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be awesome. And um, you should follow all of us on Twitter. Go to NintendoWorldReport.com, look for the Twitter sidebar, and you can find all of our usernames there. As a reminder, the Doctor Who talk is next, and there are spoilers, like, right away. So if you don't want to be spoiled, turn the show off now. Other than that, we'll see you next week. but keep your eyes on it.
5: Where's Rory? I'm sorry. Amelia. I'm so, so sorry. No. No, we can just go and get him in the TARDIS. One more paradox. Would rip New York apart? Oh, that's not true. I don't believe you. Mother, it's true.
4: <sighs> Amy, what are you doing?
5: That gravestone, Rory's. There's room for One more name, isn't there? What are you talking about? Back away from the angel. Come back to the TARDIS wall. Figure something out. The angel, would it send me back to the same time, to him? I don't know. Nobody knows. But it's my best shot, yeah? No! Doctor, shut up! Yes, yes, it is! Amy! Well, oh, I just have to blink, right? No! It'll be fine. I know it will. I'll, I'll, I'll be with him, like I should be. Me and Rory together. Melody. Stop it! Just, just, stop it! You look after him. And you be a good girl and you look after him. You are creating fixed time. I will never be able to see you again. I'll be fine. I'll be with him. Amy, please. Just come back into the target. Come on, please. <laughs> Broken man! Goodbye!
0: Hello everyone, and that's right, we're back with another Doctor Who bonus segment. Uh, Today I'm joined by Patrick.
7: And yes, that was a sonic screwdriver. (laughs) Perfect.
0: And David. Hello. Hello. First time I think officially on the podcast. Um, I guess you did do one of our recent best of segments.
4: Yes, I was on the uh, the Smash Brothers Brawl. Oh, segment. okay.
0: There you go. Wait, where I edited that one? Were you really? I,
4: yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. I guess I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I do remember that. That's weird.
7: Scott's been doing so much editing. I've been remember. doing so many of them.
0: They do. They blur together. I just slap them in there, and I just edit out all the sneezes, and then throw it up on the website. <laughs> um. So yeah, if, if everything went according to plan, as this intro, you heard uh, Amy's like final in-person speech to the doctor. Um, and we'll be talking about that in a minute, but we figured we should probably start first with the Power of Three, the, uh, penultimate episode for this sort of half season. Um, what'd you guys think about it?
7: It was better than the weeks before, I think. Like, you, you and I talked about this the last Doctor Who bonus segment, and I wasn't going into it expecting too much because I thought it was going to be one of those episodes that didn't focus on the Doctor and just kind of focus more on the ponds, which it did, but it also had a focus on the Doctor, and it was good. And and the Nintendo Wii was featured, and that yeah, was pretty which, great. Yeah,
0: which was great. That's right. I'll need to put that somewhere in here, too, yeah, because that's so perfect.
5: <laughs> oh, that's second set Doctor! <laughs> oh, if Dred Perry could see me, now.
0: way you probably asked for his shorts back and now we have the, like, the loosest flimsiest connection to like Doctor <laughs> Who and connectivity that we can talk about it there's a
7: reason we exist yeah
0: <laughs> the we was in it I was really hoping like I mean I know they'd have to pay money to Nintendo so they didn't do this but I was really hoping we'd see like the Doctor's me, and that he would somehow have a bow tie on it and, like, he just they'll be like how'd you get a bow tie on it and he's like well i the doctor. Like that's what I do. I just... oh,
7: couldn't you do something fancy with? Uh, I always see those me's where they. I move... know you could like
0: move the mouth really low or something, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or yeah, <laughs> the eyebrows like on the chin or something. Yeah, I mean that's true, but oh well. <laughs> uh, David, what'd you would you think about the episode?
4: You know, it it was pretty good, but overall it didn't do anything for me. I mean, it it was focused on the pawns a little bit, and I did totally miss that we. So I'm gonna have to go rewatch it. But, uh, yeah i don't I don't know what what happened there
5: but... <laughs> well you
0: don't you don't explicitly see the Wii, but because I was watching with my girlfriend and like watching Doctor Who there's always like a fifteen percent chance I'm not going to understand something just because they talk so quickly and I don't always grasp yeah. the the British accent so like Amy like was telling either Rory or Rory's dad or someone that like the doctor was playing the Wii, and I was like I turned to my girlfriend I was like, did she say we and then like it cuts to him and yeah he's got like you oh. don't see the Wii room, but he's got like a tennis like racket like, add-on on on top of it, and he's just, like, he's playing it, but it has the sound effects and
4: stuff like that. Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, I do remember him playing tennis and and thinking, was that a Wii? But I I totally missed the comment about that. Yeah, I guess that's true. If
7: you missed Amy's comment, then you wouldn't have any idea.
4: Right,
0: like, it looks like maybe he could be playing a knockoff or something, but yeah, Yeah. she explicitly says Wii, which I thought was great, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I do agree. I don't, I, I don't know, I'm kind of, like, 50-50 50-50 on this episode. I really enjoy, like, the, the character stuff. I, I enjoyed seeing what the pawns do when they're not with the Doctor, their lives, um, and how they're trying to balance both lives, and then just seeing how the Doctor was going crazy by having to um, to sit around and, and wait with them this whole year while these uh, cubes that fell from space finally did something. Yeah, um, <laughs> Which I guess we should say, yeah, cubes fell from space, they didn't do anything, everyone kind of forgot about them over the next year, and then finally they basically gave everyone heart attacks and like killed a bunch of people. But then the doctor reversed it and brought all the people yeah, back to
7: life. Which didn't make quite a lot of sense. No. If, you're, if your like... heart was stopped for 10 minutes
0: or so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like he was there when it happened, then he flipped the switch and it went right back. Yeah, I mean, these people are lying dead in the street for at least 10 minutes. Yeah, that's not good for your uh, your brain there, I don't
4: think. Well, I mean, it um, it was really slow build up in my opinion, and then it yeah. was just like here heart attacks, and then he reverses it. And I mean, you know, I guess that's what makes a Doctor Who episode issue. You know, there's a problem, and then the Doctor fixes it. But it just it was a really slow build up. There wasn't much action. Yeah, and it you know it just wasn't my favorite of the season so far. No, but, definitely not. I, I think enjoyed this, mom- Go Sorry, ahead. I, I just
7: me. think the slow buildup was intentional because they were focusing more on the ponds on purpose because this is there, like,
0: oh, yeah, right absolutely. near their swan song. And like, I, I'm I'm good with that, like a good slow buildup. But yeah, there just wasn't much payoff in terms of the actual cubes themselves. Um, I was thinking about this as I was driving home today to like talk about this episode. I uh, I think the problem is Doctor Who can't ever really do just like a character centric episode. Whereas, like, a show, like, maybe in a similar vein, like, something like Lost or Battlestar Galactica, like, they could have a whole episode where there's really no action. It's all about, like, a character resolving some issue or just exploring, uh, a character's background. And with Doctor Who, you don't get that. Like, every episode kind of needs to stand on its own. So, while we did have a lot of character stuff, there always has to be this sort of, like, science fiction, like, story to go along with it. You know, there has to be something that happens. And I think that's kind of to the show's detriment at least, at least lately, where I think they're trying to get more and more character focused, Um, you know, having to kind of string in these little stories that are are honestly the worst part of the episode. I mean, I I think if they had just taken it out, it would have been a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I, I could watch a whole episode with the, the pawns, like, just living their lives and the doctor going crazy being there with them and, you know, and that kind of stuff. I didn't need, all of a sudden they go to space and there's a guy who's, decided he wants to kill a bunch of humans and then the doctor saves the day you know that that was like five minutes of the episode and it could have just not been there and i would have been happy i mean what do you guys think about that like i really think it's kind of a an issue they not need to address necessarily but i think they need to balance it out better with the character stuff um, matches the quality of of the actual storyline of, of that individual episode. You
7: do notice that, like, each season so far, I think there's been, like, that one character-centric episode where, like, last season it was the girl who waited where Amy was kind of stranded for 20 years or so, I think. Yeah, yeah. And that was just really slow, and it just dealt with Amy and Rory's relationship. Um, season 5, I can't remember. There was probably one, I just don't remember it off the top of my head, but those episodes, they're just slower moving, slower paced, and there's not a lot of action, and I just takes away from like the flow of the season in general especially last season where it was that steady build up of action over yeah. time yeah and then that episode i thought just brought it down
0: that's the one where she gets really old right yeah, like, yeah, yeah
4: okay but i mean it 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 kept your heart racing a little like you know are they gonna are they gonna find amy you know the the young amy and the old amy and the the one with the cubes it was like there was just nothing but dialogue until the last like five ten minutes. And then think the cube started doing stuff and then they gave people heart attacks and then the doctor reversed it. You know, it yeah. was just it, the, the quality of the action wasn't that great. Like they, they could have had the cubes do so much more. I mean there, there, it was, it did feel like it was more in the order of a suspenseful episode, but I don't know. Doctor who doesn't seem to do just, just suspense.
7: It seems yeah. more suspenseful action. They need to mix suspense and action and character building into one cohesive right. episode. And I guess that's what they probably have trouble with right now. Right. Yeah. Or like if I guess that's what, what you're not... saying, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah or I okay.
0: think. I think even just not be afraid to have a, an episode that's just like character focused. You know, it, it's just they're in this place where each episode needs to stand alone and tell a little story. But when you have these characters that exist from episode to episode, I mean, I don't think there's any reason to. You know, be afraid to just explore those characters in an You know, it doesn't always have to be tied to some, like, interstellar threat.
7: Characters like, uh, going back quite a ways, Donna and Martha, where they were just around for one season. Mm-hmm. I think there you can get away with. You don't need oh, a yeah, character-centric sure. episode. But with the sure. pawns, two and a half seasons, they needed that one, I yeah. guess. Yeah,
0: and when you know that this is their second-to-last episode, I mean, everyone knew it. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate what they did do for the pawns, but yeah it just then, when you throw in this extra like story that just wraps up in ten minutes, you know it, I think it just takes away from the episode as a whole. You know, they could have just not had that there, and I think the episode would have been
4: fine it yeah. seemed it seemed a little late as well. I mean, it's the episode before that they they leave the doctor and now they're finally explaining what their home life's about. i know I know that season five it all took place before you know between the night before Amy gets married and the day she gets married so you know there there really wasn't much going on but season six you know you don't know what well i guess they were with the doctor the whole time like it it didn't even it just didn't touch upon it
0: yeah well i think this is the first time at least in the new like series reboot that the companions haven't just always been with the doctor i mean as far as i can tell like uh Rose and Donna and martha that their entire seasons they were always with the doctor, but here you have Amy and Rory who do go back home and aren't always with him, yeah,
7: especially in this this season. all these episodes seem to have like months in between,
0: yeah, oh yeah, and like a few of them open with the doctor, like picking them up, yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's they're just not there, um so I don't know, it was good to see their their lives, but one one thing as we wrap this up and move into the final episode that I thought was interesting is I I thought this episode was going to end with them saying like okay we need to tell the doctor we're done like you know he whatever we're gonna do you know and I thought it would kind of link to this week the the finale like I thought he would say okay this is our last going out with him and then we need to tell him that we're done we're gonna stay home but in the end they actually resolve like okay let's just travel with the doctor forever <laughs> which, which which is so weird because in the next episode they can't do that anymore. It's definitely strange because you know
7: they're leaving in one episode and they make that major decision to not leave him. So you're just like, well, something
0: clearly bad is going to happen. Yeah. I thought for sure it was going to be like, okay, this is it. And then after this, we're telling him we're done. And then, of course, their last journey out with him, something horrible happens. But no, it's like, let's just be best friends for the rest of our lives. Um, But okay. Well, that's enough with that one. Let's move on to The Angels Take Manhattan, the uh, more interesting of the two um, it opens up great, I thought, this whole, like, noir opening with the the detective narrating and, uh, you think writing his story, of course it turns out to be River writing the story, but, um, you know, just, just his narration and, and his demeanor and everything, it was very, it was very, I don't know, kind of a interesting, a, an interesting take on, like, 19, what, 30s or 40s? I think uh, it was 30s, yeah. 30s, yeah, like, America and stuff from this British perspective. Um, I thought it was really cool, I thought it was really well done, and, and Got me excited to, to watch the episode. I mean, what, what did you guys think about that?
7: I mean, it, it was certainly different for Doctor Who. It was mu- a much more lengthy opening, I thought, compared to oh, yeah, for all sure. the ones that they've done recently. And oh, yeah. um, I, I guess this is a spoiler-ish episode, but the Statue of Liberty right there at the end was <laughs> very cool.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I yeah. thought so, too. with yeah, those, like, crazy just teeth and everything. Yeah. yeah.
7: Like, like, I kind of saw it coming because
4: like what else they showed they a shot me? of it
0: yeah and they showed yeah. a shot of it like as he was going into that that like hotel or whatever yeah. and i kind of felt like oh my god are they really gonna do that <laughs> and they did
4: you know i um i was at home and i i realized that we do get bbc america here and patrick had invited me over to to watch it with him and his family and you know i was like i'm just gonna watch the intro and it was so good that I had to, I I had to pry myself away from the television, you know, to to prevent myself from watching the entire episode just then. And because
0: well, what do you why Patrick? Do you watch it the next day or something? Like, how do you watch it? No, um,
7: I I work and Dave comes over like eleven o'clock ish, and then oh, okay, so it. you guys were just
0: gonna watch it later that night. Yeah. Okay,
4: all right, yeah, keep going, Dave. Sorry. Oh no, that's fine. Um, and you know the anticipation between. Oh, what is it air seven if oh, eight o'clock if I remember correctly uh, yeah. the three hours there nearly <laughs> killed me because I couldn't look at any spoilers I couldn't think about it you know I couldn't turn on the TV you know yeah. I, I just I was just dying inside my head to, yeah. to find out
0: yeah well like like for me i i um I've talked about it before but I downloaded the episodes on ps3 um because i, I can't no. stand watching it on standard death on bbc america <laughs> so i wait till the next day to watch it anyway but just like scanning through twitter that night after the episode aired and just hearing everyone like talk about how like sad it was and just all these different things like i was just it kept getting me so excited oh. i mean i almost wanted to watch it in standard death but i thought no
7: i always have that problem too like i have to pull myself away from the computer because it airs in the uk like three o'clock eastern um some of my friends are they had watched it like a live stream from the UK version.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> and I was
7: just like, well, I can't, I can't sit here anymore and talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Cause this'll, this'll kill me on the inside. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I thought that was, that was one of the best openings that doesn't involve the doctor. I mean, there's been, there's been many where it's like a side character or someone dies to kind of set the tone. And I thought this is one of the best, just, just the whole environment. And like, like Patrick said, just something new for Dr. Who, this whole like noir theme I thought was really well done. Um, and yeah, it got me super excited. So, the, uh, the intro plays of course, and then the doctor and Maury and Amy are, uh, in New York, in present day, and they're just in the park, and the doctor's reading aloud, as apparently he can't read in his head. Um, and they're just having a nice, nice day on the, uh, on the park there. And you get some interesting things that kinda, you know, like, forebode for what's gonna happen, Um like, Amy's wearing glasses now because she's getting a little bit older, and the doctor notices, like, eyes on her line—or, uh, lines on her eyes and things like that. And, you know, sees her, like, aging and, and is, like, kind of befuddled by it. Um, and then, you know, you see him rip out the last page of the book, and he says, you know, I, I hate endings. I, I I don't read the last page of a book because I don't want a story to end. Um, which may, may be a little heavy handed, <laughs> but um, but still, you know, it just adds a little bit more to his, his character. This his episode
7: motivation. was full of foreshadowing,
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, so then uh, Rory goes to get coffee, and then on the way back, we see some angels tailing him, the weeping angels, and then suddenly he is in the 30s where the episode opened, and rivers in front of him. Um, and then it turns out the book that the doctor's been reading is written by River and she's sort of detailing the events of, of what's going on uh, concurrently, which if you think too hard about it, like makes your head hurt. So it's just best not to like <laughs> think about like how that how they're happening at the same time. But
4: Well, I mean, take a look at Blink. I mean, the other Weeping Angels episode, you know, there were the, the DVDs and to think that, you know, the doctor had this script that he got. But he didn't know it was going to happen, and then it happened. But they had already written this. You, you know, it was, <laughs> yeah. it's happening. Like it, it just, you know, I I love time travel episodes <laughs> and and shows because it makes you think, and it just yeah. it, you know, you have to think. It, it's abstract, and I like that.
0: Yeah, and for a show about time travel, like, at its core, there aren't many episodes where it, like, really comes into play like this. I mean, for the most part, it just puts them in a new setting. There's only been a handful of episodes, I think, where, like, there's two timelines going on, like, concurrently, and and you're interacting between the two, Um, like Blink, for instance. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so then, you know, it turns out with all the Weeping Angels, there's sort of, like, some time (laughs) disturbances. The Doctor can't land exactly in uh, in the 30s, so... He has to get his, he calls them landing lights, a signal to lock on to. Um, so he goes back to, like, the, what? I mean, when is the... Probably the what? present
7: 2012.
0: Well, first he goes back to 2012, yeah. He bounces off of the 30s. And then he goes back to the, um, what dynasty was it in, in oh, China? Oh, that's right. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't remember. Well, one one dynasty in China, uh, because the guy in the 30s is a big collector of, um, of like, pottery and art from that era. And so the, um, the doctor goes there and like writes like a code word, yowza, <laughs> onto like a, a, a pot. And then so when River sees it, she's able to like use that to like pinpoint her coordinates and then the doctor can lock onto it. It's all kind of weird, but I guess it works. <laughs>
7: um, well, they've so done stuff like that before where they send a message from the past to someone in the future. I think. Right. Yeah. Like blank.
4: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what's, what's the episode where, uh, they go back to the first, Written word and it says hello, sweetie, if I'm not mistaken, oh, and and um, it was it was River that oh, went back to write it yeah. to give him a message.
0: Doesn't I, she like breaks into a place right? She, like, and she's getting chased by a bunch of guards. I, I think um, that's the season five finale,
4: right? I think so. Yeah. Quite possibly, yeah. It's, yeah. it's been a little while.
0: Yeah, I know. I need to rewatch all the Matt. I've seen the David Tennant stuff like two times through now. I need to rewatch the Matt Smith stuff. Um. So, yeah, so they're all reunited in the 30s. And I think this is where, like, stuff kind of starts to get interesting and and really begins to, like, suggest that things aren't going as planned. Uh, First, uh, before they even get there, Amy reads a head in the book and reads a line that, um, like, why do you have to to break mine? Um, And the doctor kind of freaks out when she reads that and says, well, now that you've read it, like, it has to happen. It's a fixed point. Like, there's no way in avoiding it. Um, So when the doctor gets there, uh, Angel has grabbed uh, River's wrist and won't let go. And so now he has to break her wrist because he'd read in the booklet. There's like nothing he can do. He has to break her wrist to get her hand out of there. Um, I don't know why he's tied to that. I guess not doing it would create a paradox, which might be bad. Although they end up deciding to do it anyway <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to get away from the angels, but, um, yeah. And then you just get a lot of moments where he just seems unhinged. Um, Like, so when River ends up having to break her own wrist to get her arm out of there, and he sees that there was no avoiding there, her wrist was still broken, Um, you know, he gets upset, but then he he heals her broken wrist with his regeneration energy, and she slaps him, and then Amy says, like, to stick to science, to stop trying to, you know, do too much, and they both storm out, and then he, like, slams his feet, like, in frustration and stuff, and I just thought it was a cool scene, like, to see him that overwhelmed. Um,
7: You have to realize he's also dealing with the anger at that point that he knows... It's Amy's kind of last adventure because the last chapter of the book That's true. was he saw, Amelia's he saw the last farewell. You're very right. Well. Yeah.
0: yeah, he sees the title of the book and, um, or and the chapter. And the
7: fact that River had to break her arm, he knows there's no way yeah. uh, escaping it.
0: <laughs> I know. He had that moment where, he, where she was hiding it, that she broke her wrist, and he was very excited that, like, okay, well, like, maybe we can actually get around this. But then when he sees the wrist broken, he sort of comes down again and gets very depressed. Um, so in this time now, Rory's been transported to the same hotel that we saw in the opening with the detective, um, and is kind of wandering the halls in the same way. And Doctor and River and Amy show up and they all walk into the room together and there's old Rory who is now aged and, and dies in that bed. Um, and that's when the doctor kind of explains that, well, the angels are sort of harvesting people. They take them back and then they lock them in this hotel and just kind of feed off of their, that time energy, um, until the person dies. And then I I would assume can just repeat it again and again and again because the person dies as their younger self sees them. So then they just take the younger self back in time and just keep repeating it. Um, it's kind of how I took that. I mean, is that what you guys thought? I mean, that's also
7: every time they try to escape the hotel, they just throw them back in time again.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's no escaping. I mean, which
7: also feeds them the energy.
4: The thing that I don't get is if Rory goes there and they send him back where did, did they just keep sending him back like you know two days and just keeping him in that room i i mean i it or do they just send them back once let them live out their lives in that room
0: the way i took it is they they send them back once like a like a good chunk of time you know like whatever 40 50 years and then let them live out their lives in that room. And then when they die, it's the exact moment that their younger self you know, is coming into that room. So then they grab the younger self and then just send them back again. And it's like this loop where they just keep sending them back, you know, that forty or fifty years, letting them live, die, and then doing it again. But you're right; it wasn't a hundred percent clear.
4: <laughs> but but then you've got when old is Rory Doctor Who? Yeah, you've got old Rory and young Rory. Just using him for an example. Now, the old Rory's already taken that room, so the young Rory comes in. Now, they send young Rory back. Now, now there are two younger Rory's?
0: I see what you're saying. Or, like, every time they do it, is there another Rory? I mean, I guess maybe they just put him in a new room in the hotel. <laughs> but now,
4: technically, he never existed for them to have taken him back to begin with, so he would never would have found himself.
0: Yeah, this is one of those instances where it's like best not to think too hard about the, the time travel aspect. Um. Yeah, it's sort of like a little bit of a, a plot hole there, I guess. Yeah, it wasn't clear to me what the um, what they were exactly doing. I mean, you see he's aged, he's dying, he's an old man, but you're right. I mean, are they just sending him back an, another day, like, every day or every couple of days to kind of just get a little energy? Do they send him all the way back? And then, yeah, I mean, like, what's the...
4: Even if they're just sending him back a day every day, then that, you know, they're now they've got every day, they've you're got right. another Rory. They've got
0: another Rory, you're absolutely right. And I
4: mean... <laughs> they, don't wear, they can't possibly have that much room.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, unless they just did one person at a time and then eventually stopped and moved on to someone else. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not 100% clear. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what's the point of keeping him in the room? Like, why not just send them back 50 years and then let them live out their lives? And, like they've done in the past. Yeah. Uh, in that's... other episodes with the Weeping Angels. Yeah, I, yeah I, w- I wasn't really clear on that.
4: Yeah, I couldn't quite grasp why they had to lock them in the room then why they couldn't just send them back 2000 years and, and be done with it. Right.
0: Yeah. I don't know. That's a good point. (laughs) I don't know.
7: Well, now that I am thoroughly confused. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll, we'll,
0: so we'll move on from that. Um, so they decide that, well, first the doctor's really down since there's nothing you can do. This is the way it's going to be like, you're, you're going to get sent back and then you'll die here. Um, but Rory and Amy, you know, keep talking and saying that maybe they can run away and then Rivers in on it too, so finally they decide uh, that maybe they can create a paradox. So like if if Rory can get away um from this, then this whole hotel room, this whole like everything will just completely collapse because it will have never happen. Rory will never get sent back, he'll never get old and die there. So that whole like uh yeah, hotel will just will just collapse in on itself because it will have never existed. Um so they decide to do that, and Rory and Amy go to the roof, because it's the only path they can get to that's not blocked by angels. The Statue of Liberty shows up again, <laughs> with this big, huge, gaping mouth full of sharp teeth, um, and Rory decides, well, the, the best way to create this paradox is if I just kill myself now. They can never take me back, and I just die now, so this never happens. Um, there's a big, heartfelt speech with Amy and Rory, and you know, Rory wants Amy to push him off the, the roof because he can't do it himself, and She's saying she can't do that. So then finally they decide that they're just going to jump together. That, you know, they're they're in it together. Either they'll die together or this paradox will send them back to, like, present time and everything will just be normal. Um, so River and Doctor get on the roof and there's some exchange. The Doctor doesn't want them to do this, but they do it anyway and they jump. And... I kind of find it interesting. I, like, there's sort of a red herring here. I, this is one emotional scene. I, mean, I this is where I definitely started crying. Uh, Patrick, you I just think you have no soul if you didn't cry at this <laughs> scene. Uh, Dave, were you, were you a little teary-eyed for this? Or um, are you a Patrick?
4: I I was more on the order of Patrick. I apologize. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, maybe because you watched it in a big group with a lot of people. I don't know if you're watching it like with Patrick's family. Got to look tough in front of the family.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it just it it was sad. But I was expecting just this real gut punch and it didn't seem to have it but that's just me
7: especially at that moment that wasn't the the gut-wrenching moment
0: yeah it really wasn't necessarily like sad because they were going through this together and it was a decision they made and you know that that's that but i definitely was getting teary-eyed so they jump and lo and behold it works the the whole hotel just disappears from time and they're all sent back to present time um but where they're sent back is not the park where they originally were. It's this cemetery, which is where they were sent back when the doctor bounced off of the 30s and couldn't get there the first time. They keep arriving in this cemetery, and uh, you know, Amy continues to ask why, and the doctor says, like, you know, who, who knows? You know, the, these, this, uh, this graveyard, and then that moment, in time are somehow linked, but it doesn't matter. Like, we're we're okay. Um, so the river, or river and the doctor have some cute banter about repainting the TARDIS and changing the light bulb on top and just, you know, married couple kind of stuff, which is, which is cute. Um, Amy and Rory are coming along, but Rory stops, goes back to a gravestone and sees his name written on it. Um, and then at that moment, an angel comes up behind him and sends him back in time anyway.
7: Can which, can I mention quickly how yes. Rory's first reaction when he sees his name is someone has the same <laughs> name as me. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's so great. Yeah. I mean, how naive do you have to be? <laughs> Someone has the exact same name as me. Um, yeah, that was pretty great. And I thought this was weird. I mean, what a, I mean, they kind of prepare you for them to die. And then it's like, oh, everything's okay. And then five minutes later, it's like, oh, everything's not okay. Like, they are going to die. Um, I was kind of, it was just kind of weird, like, this sort of roller coaster, uh, of emotion. But,. So, yeah, so then uh, there's the the angel's still there, and Amy, you know, is freaking out. The doctor comes out of the TARDIS, and then there's, and this is what the episode, this segment will open with is, this conversation. But Amy deciding that she wants to get set back to, that she can't live without Rory, and it's better that they just die together in that hotel room rather than, um, you know, rather than just die separately and, and, and age separately from each other. Um, the doctor tries to get her to come back into the TARDIS and is really pleading with her, and I thought this was a great moment because you really like sense the desperation and like his knowing that this is it like there's he can't ever see her again if this happens like because of everything that happened in the 30s and all this like time energy and you know whatever other babble they come up with to rationalize things like he says he can never go back to that time period um that if he does like it could just blow up new york city It could just kill everyone because of just the paradox and all this kind of stuff um and she decides to go and so she lets the angel take her and she goes back too um so you said Patrick, you thought this was maybe the more emotional payoff versus the the scene on the roof?
7: This this is the more emotional payoff, but for me it still it, it felt really, really rushed. Because like everything's going really well. Rory's just gone almost immediately. And he, he has no like proper farewell, I felt. They just kind of made him disappear.
0: You know, that's and, true.
7: And they left Amy there to do all the talking and yeah, do the, the farewells.
0: That's that's a good point, because as far as as much as like I mean, this has been Amy and the Doctor's story. I mean, Rory's played such a big role and become you know such a a part of the Doctor's life. It is weird that he didn't get his chance to say anything. That's a, that's a good point.
7: Yeah. Um. And then even after he was gone, there was maybe about two and a half, three minutes of Amy talking to the Doctor, and then she's gone as well. Like I think to do a proper farewell, they could have done one of the the situations where they extend the episode, maybe an extra ten minutes and do something really special like they did for David Tennant's last episode, where he had that, like, 20 minutes of just visiting old companions and Oh, sure. But, that, I mean,
0: that's, that, but that's never happened for companions as they leave. I mean, think of, like, when Rose left. I mean, he did get that chance to say goodbye the, the, to her. There was the whole
7: beach scene. And yeah. I, for for me, that was a lot. There, there was a lot of a, there was a stronger impact with that scene oh, rather so than a, just standing in a cemetery and just yelling at each other. Yeah, uh, I don't. Disappearing.
0: I'd have to watch it again. I know that scene really affected me the first time I watched. Like I thought that was really well done, but I I felt like this this scene and this this current episode was was m- more emotional to me. Maybe maybe because Amy and Rory had been around a little longer. I mean, only an extra half season, but
7: I I certainly feel if I go back and watch this again, it's definitely going to affect me on a, a greater scale. For instance, um, when I watch the Lost ending again, yeah, I that. Gets, hits me harder every when the, single when, time.
0: When Vincent comes up and sits sits next to... Yes, that, uh,
7: and the plane, and kills the church, me. and everything. Kills me, yeah. <laughs> but I I feel like this ending will have that same type of effect on me, where it'll grow on me over time.
0: Yeah. What what did you think about it, Dave?
4: um I think it it seemed like Amy was more worried about, you know, between her and Rory ending and she didn't want to see that end but she just kind of like you know oh you're just a doctor but he's my husband yep. and after all that they built up between amy and the doctor you know he was he was the the raggedy man you know he he came to her when she was really young and then there's you know it He takes her away on her wedding night. You know, she just runs away with him. Mm -hmm. And then this finale, it was her just being like, but I can't leave Rory, you know, and it like the going back to the Rose farewell episode, you know, you could tell that Rose was like, this is the last time I'm ever going to see you. The doctor was like, yeah, this is the last time I was ever going to, I'm ever going to see you. And they, you could tell that they were upset about it, and that was the end. But Amy, Amy just didn't seem like she cared that this was gonna be the last time she ever saw the doctor. I, you know, and I, I know that's not true, but it really just wasn't. Uh, I, it didn't hit me as hard, and I think, I think that's why.
0: Well, I think part of that, and I think they've done a good job, sort of building up towards that. I mean, with season five, it really was, like, I mean, at some point, she does try to, like, like basically bang the doctor. I mean, she's really into the doctor. But with season six, and then this season, I mean, you see her, kind of, in a way, almost, like, fall more in love with, with Rory. And I think their relationship is strengthened by traveling with the doctor. Um, particularly at the end of season five, when, you know, he ends. it turns out he's, like, waited 2,000 years to, uh, to save Amy. Um, you know, when he's, like, the centurion and, and everything. Um, and, and I think that's finally really proven in the mid season finale uh, of season six, where Amy's giving this speech about, um, to, to Melody, to the baby, um, you know, about how the, the man, you know, she loves and the baby's father is coming for her. You know, it's this man who's lived, you know, thousands of years and he's, you know, traveled all over space. And then it, you know it turns out it's Rory, and you know that that's who she's talking about. And I, I think with that moment, it's not hard to believe now that it's Rory. She's more concerned about spending the rest of her life with versus the Doctor. Um, so I understand what you're saying. Like she didn't seem to have much concern about the fact that she wasn't going to see the Doctor again. But I have no problem believing that she preferred to to go with Rory rather than the Doctor.
4: And yeah, and I it's not a, that I have a problem with it. It's just you know that it seemed to help mitigate the fact that I was never going to see her again on, you know, she would, she was not going to be traveling with the doctor again. I should, I should put it because. That's
0: true. Whereas like with Rose, you felt like they could just travel together, like until Rose died, basically. I mean, she wanted, I mean, they basically, I mean, they really were like in love with each other in a way, you know, I mean, they, they wanted to spend as long as they could together and they couldn't do that. Whereas you're right. Amy, it seemed, I mean, it, even the episode before, it seemed like they were going to maybe even just stop traveling with the Doctor altogether. Like, he wasn't as important to them anymore.
4: Um, and I don't know if you remember the episode uh, The Girl in the Fireplace? it, it The one with Ma- uh, Madame de Pompadour? I, you know, she... Like, she met the Doctor and she wanted to see the stars. She didn't even care that he could time travel. She just wanted to go to all these exotic locations. And... Like you know she was only in that one episode, but that really hit me hard when she died because it it just seemed like you know she 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 met this man, she really did fall in love with him, and then she she couldn't and it was similar to Rose except you had two seasons, and she found out that you know this is this man's amazing he's he's taking me to the stars he's taking me through time there's and but now I can never see him again. And yeah, with with Amy and Rory, you know it. I guess it helps to to know that Amy does have somebody. She's not just alone. Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah, no, I mean it's a good point. You're right. I mean she didn't she didn't seem as worried about leaving the doctor. Um, she does get one last chance to say goodbye to him. Um, she gets to write the epilogue in the book that river writes um so she writes this epilogue the doctor runs in great slow motion fashion by the way um across this bridge in new york to get back to the the park where they were eating at and goes to the basket with the last page that he ripped out and it's um amy's epilogue to him and basically i mean and this is what the this segment will close with by the way so you will hear it very soon um but yeah i mean basically just tells him you know that she really like I I cares about him and and really appreciates all the things they did together, but that, you know, she's happy with Rory and and they're together and you know, that they're doing fine. And basically uh, I'm not sure if she reiterates it, but I know river does before that. Like, don't travel alone. Like, you know, like don't be alone. Find someone to, to be with um, as you, as you continue to travel. And then also tells the doctor to go visit, um, go visit her as a, a, you know, as still a kid. Um, in that time between when the doctor first showed up and then he shows up like whatever, however long we said, like ten or fifteen years later, I definitely feel like that would create a paradox. Yeah, that's what I was in thinking. This <laughs> I was thinking that too. I was like, well, that like changes everything.
4: <laughs> but, but in in the current um, after he rebooted the universe, he technically never visit her. Visited her when she was younger. So, hmm. well. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that that episode you're, I had I to ge- watch 4 or 5 times to figure out.
0: I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean,
4: they get their memories
0: back, but you're right, technically in that universe he never did go go visit her, right? But then she's waiting outside like as if he did. So, I don't know. You're right. This is another time travel thing where it just makes your head hurt if you think about it too much. <laughs> just accept. It was sweet. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yeah, it was they got one little final goodbye. And I think that was the moment where she kind of reflects on her time with the doctor and how much she did love it. Um if she didn't get the chance to in her original speech. Um So, yeah. I mean, overall I thought I thought a great episode. Um The there are a few plot holes like we talked about like with the hotel oh, and the fact okay. that no one seemed concerned that the Statue of Liberty was walking around New York City. Um <laughs> So, do you guys think this was a better use of the Statue of Liberty walking around, or Ghostbusters 2? I don't know
7: your opinion on that. Uh, I, I liked it here, although <laughs> I'm a huge Doctor <laughs> Who fan, so Sli- slightly biased. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but then again, the Statue of Liberty is controlled with like a NES uh, Advance Pad in the uh, in Ghostbusters 2, so there's that. True, but there there weren't there weren't weeping angels. <laughs> <laughs> That's true.
4: But that—that's another thing you have to think about. And I—I I talked to this. Uh, I talked to Patrick about this. The Statue of Liberty it steps off her pedestal. You know, people are gonna notice. Oh yeah. And I mean, I know it's like nighttime. No, the second that, yeah, this—they th- even say that in the intro. New York, the city that never sleeps. <laughs> yeah. You know, as soon as she takes a step off, you're gonna have engineers just everywhere. For the rest of the its existence, there wondering right. how this enormous chunk of metal actually moved. Right. And, plus, and plus,
0: if the idea is that you can't look... Like, if anyone looks at the Weeping Angels, they turn to statue. Well, like, shouldn't... I'm sure at any moment in New York City, someone is looking at the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Like, how does it ever have the opportunity to, to even move? So, Yeah. I, that was obviously just a neat gimmick they wanted to put in. It doesn't make much sense in the context of the uh, the rules of the Weeping Angels, that's for sure, or the rules of society seeing the giant <laughs> statue move around. So,
4: yes. But I mean, and then you think of you know they all the other Weeping Angels are stone statues, so maybe the Statue of Liberty does have some special rules. You know, maybe she's an exception.
0: Yeah. Well, right, because it wouldn't be pure stone. Yeah. I'm sure that's something we'll never find out. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It'll just never be mentioned again. So, but overall, I thought very enjoyable. I thought a, a really good uh, conclusion to the uh the mid-season here. Um yeah. it has me super excited for Christmas when the doctor returns. When, and when
7: might I add you'll be watching Doctor Who possibly on Nintendo TV this uh, Christmas.
0: That's true. <laughs> that's true. It could happen. Yeah. That's exciting. And uh, as we saw in the little uh, snippet, there wasn't very much to go by, but we do see Oswin um, return, and obviously it looks set in the past, but there she is, not a Dalek. I believe
7: they've announced it's Victorian-era London.
0: Okay, so there you go. So uh, far removed from when we found her last, in the future, inside of a Dalek. (laughs) Uh,
7: I've read online, do you think she's going to come back as a new character entirely, or as Oswin?
0: How could she? I, I mean, it... I just like, don't see how she could come back as a new character.
7: Like, like I just read that somewhere where someone was like, maybe speculated that she was just going to be a brand new character and like she was just playing someone different. Like um, <laughs> Amy, like- Amy, Amy played one of those. Cirrus ladies in the uh, the Fires of Pompeii.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that was like... <laughs> that's different, <laughs> that's like I like two years before they decided she was going to be a companion. Yes. I mean, this is like, they knew it going into the season, so... Just just a little bit of thought. <laughs> or like she's going to play like her great-great-great-great-grandmother or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think it'll be the same character. I mean, that just seems too silly to not. They, they yeah. it, But I'm interested to see how they resolve those differences, but yeah. I think it's going to be the same character. Yeah.
4: I uh, I read somewhere online, and they were talking about somehow, apparently that it was written in that Oswin has a sister, a, a twin sister. So I don't know oh if God. that's going <laughs> to come into play. But the other half of that is, you see her as a Dalek. And that's probably how she's going to end. So the Doctor not being good with endings, as we saw in The Angels Take Manhattan, he already knows how he's going to lose her. Or at least the end of her. So if he goes back in time and picks her up, you know he's he's always going to know that.
0: Yeah, well, it's kind of the same with with River. I mean, he knows how River dies. She dies in that David Tennant episode, um, yeah. but you know he never he never lets on about it. He never tells her, um, because he can't. You know, he can't change time. So, but you're right. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe he picks up Oswin and knows how it's going to end, but just spends as much time with her as he can i don't know but then how does she forget who he is i mean she doesn't know who he is uh by that point you know when they meet in the asylum of the daleks so i don't know it's interesting there's a lot of different ways they could take it i really hope it's not something cheesy like a twin sister (laughs) i really hope it's not
7: Um, i think stephen moffat's better than that
0: i think so too and i hope i i don't think it's going to be a completely separate character that just seems crazy so we'll see i'm excited it's not too far away two months of course, we don't know when after the Christmas special that it'll come back. You know, but
7: it'll probably be April again.
0: Yeah, I think that's generally when they do it. Yeah,
4: I'm, which is too far. But... I'm just sick of this break already. I'm ready for the next episode. I mean, yeah, but, well, I I never understood that. Why do they have the the mid season breaks? It, it just
7: oh, they just started it with the sixth season. It's always been straight through.
4: Yeah, I I thought they did that for the fifth. No, I think so. fifth oh. was straight through. I'm almost okay. positive.
0: Six, six, they did it. It ended with a, a good man goes to war, and then it came yeah. back with, let's kill Hitler.
7: That's right. Yeah. But I, I The breaks probably make it better for the actors, more flexible in their schedules.
0: Yeah, that could be. Plus, yeah. Yeah, British TV's weird, man. They just do whatever they want. I mean, like, yeah. sure, look at Sherlock. <laughs> I was going to say Sherlock. A season of Sherlock example. is three episodes, and each episode is like basically a movie. I mean, it's an hour and a half. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. They just make their own rules. They don't care. A season, a season of a show can be five episodes. And that's it. And then you got to wait three years before you get the next season. Like it just doesn't matter. <laughs> I love it. So um, yeah, I guess that'll do it. So um, Patrick, Dave, thanks for being here.
4: Yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I guess we'll see everyone for more Doctor Who come Christmas time on our Wii U's, as Patrick. Oh, we
7: did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, need thanks, to, guys. Need that Nintendo connection.
0: Yeah. All <laughs> right, Patrick. Why not for one last time? Why don't you give us a little sign of screwdriver? All right. Carry us out.
5: Afterward, by Amelia Williams. Hello, old friend. And here we are, you and me, on the last page. By the time you read these words, Rory and I will be long gone. So know that we lived well, and were very happy. And above all else, know that we will love you always. Sometimes I do worry about you, though. I think once we're gone, you won't be coming back here for a while. And you might be alone, which you should never be. Don't be alone, doctor. And do one more thing for me. There's a little girl waiting in a garden. She's going to wait a long while... So she's going to need a lot of hope. Go to her. Tell her a story. Tell her that if she's patient, the days are coming that she'll never forget. Tell her she'll go to sea and fight pirates. She'll fall in love with a man who'll wait 2,000 years to keep her safe. Tell her she'll give hope to the greatest painter who ever lived and save a whale in outer space. Tell her... This is the story of Amelia Pond, and this is how it ends.